0: Good noon, everyone. Good to see you. Good to have you all here today. And I'll call uh, the meeting of Monday, December twelfth, twenty twenty-two. All to order at uh, 1.31 p.m. We are missing Mr. Todd; nor he is ill, so we are praying for his speedy recovery. All right, we'll begin uh, with our work session. I want to uh, thank uh, both of our state legislators who are here with us the Honorable uh, David Cook, State House District 96, and uh, the Honorable Chris Turner, State House District 101. Uh, I welcome them today in in a spirit of partnership. Uh, Thank you all so much for uh, uh, attending our council meeting. As we just talk about all things Mansfield, you know, um, both of you are quite familiar, because this is this is your stomping ground uh, for the two of you. Chris now represents, um, uh, Mr. Turner represents, uh, now parts of Mansfield. And uh, we appreciate you, uh, each and every one of you. We know, of course, that as council persons, you, you all know the uh, constituency that we get to serve. And um, as we um, wish you well in the upcoming uh, legislative session, I uh, want to uh, just state at the very beginning, we look forward to serving with you as partners. And uh, also at times if if there are matters that um, we even need to champion, we can all champion them together. So thank you. This is not a meeting about uh, uh, anything other than uh, us sharing with you uh, our heart and maybe some of the concerns that, uh, or or matters that our constituents, your constituents as well uh, may want to uh, uh, hear and to see um, the, the both of you men and your uh, offices working on uh, for us. so we appreciate you we really do let, let me if you don't mind as we um, s- get started here give uh, the two of you an opportunity to have any opening remarks if you would like to do that and then after that we'll <clears throat> just get right into the discussion we don't we won't not mean we do not mean to hold you long at all today all right so <laughs> let me let me start that way all right, so we'll start with uh, Representative Cook, of course, our former mayor. Thank you,
1: Mayor. Um, I just come here with an opportunity to, to listen. And, uh, I want to say thank you for the invitation to be here. appreciate the uh, management team and, and the council uh, giving us an opportunity to come and, and uh, listen to what's uh, important to you guys. And we're looking forward to being the voice uh, for you in Austin and working with Chris to, to represent the city well. Um, I do think that you know this, city, this, excuse me, this, this uh, session is going to be – a lot about uh, requests for money. And There's no secret that there's about 40 billion dollars out there, with, subject to some uh, constitutional and statutory caps, of course. But there are going to be lots of lots of requests, and, and I mean, I do think a lot of money will will be spent this this year, and, and it could come in a lot of different forms. Um, on the House side, I think the speaker is leaning more toward. I know the speaker is leaning more towards infrastructure, and, and you know, as I was uh, brought up here in this, in this building, uh, looking at more of like one-time expenditures as opposed to reoccurring, um, you know, in this case, reoccurring uh, revenues. It's, it's, so I'm, I'm interested to see, you may know that the governor, lieutenant governor, talked a lot about using some of that money to buy down property tax, and I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. I think that's a challenge, but, you know, I don't, you know, I, they're smarter than I am, and so they'll, you know, they'll they'll have a... They'll have a good plan and I I mean I, I mean that with sincerity, I think it'll be a, a good a good option. Um but I just think that, you know, when you have a surplus like that, I mean this you know, from perspective. I mean I know that in the past that's how we we've looked at that. I mean it's you know, if it's something that's gonna be reoccurring then you, know, you need to have a, a continual revenue source and so I just look forward to see what, what the plans are with regard to property tax. We're gonna have several you know, several you know, property tax bills that we intend to file. Um some of which deal with you know um someone that's elderly you know looking at looking at an exemption that would you know maybe totally exempt them from uh, paying property taxes at a, at a certain age is a possibility um, you know that, i think that our, you know, our thoughts on that was is that one of the things that you hear most about is is you know taxing someone out of their house and and you know i think that's probably the you know when you get up to you know an eight, say an 80 year old person or 75 year old person. I mean, it's, it's, that's probably one ones that it's most difficult for when, you know, <clears throat> the cost of a hamburger is almost double what it was before, but they're getting the same amount of money on a monthly basis. And so that's, you know, that's an example of, of what we're looking at. But just, I would say you know, that, you know, property tax has been, you know, has been dealt with somewhat at the state level, but there's still more room uh, to improve it for, you know, for the, for the taxpayers or the citizens. And I know y'all, been doing a good job here locally and, and continuing to bring the rate right down and pushing the exemptions up so I appreciate that and I, I think with that I'd leave it uh, just that you know looking forward to listening I mean, appreciate um, what you've sent ahead of time just for us to have an, an idea to to be a little bit prepared this morning for what some of what we may discuss but I welcome any and all questions and and uh, you know directives that y'all have for Austin you
2: know, that's what I'm here for so, thank,
1: thank you,
0: you. All right, Mr. Turner, thank you.
2: Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, For those I have not met yet, I'm I'm Chris Turner, State Representative in House District 101, uh, which, as Mayor Evans said now, uh, includes uh, part of of Mansfield, a a relatively small geographic portion of the city, uh, basically between Holland Road uh, and the Grand Prairie City Limits uh but I'm, I'm proud to be uh, again representing part of mansfield my very first term in the house uh, 12 years ago I, I represented about half the city uh when i first met mike Langman, first met uh then mayor cook uh and um, uh, i'm glad to be uh, representing part of this community again um, i've got uh, deep roots here both my uh, stepkids graduated from uh, Mansfield's public schools mainsville State public schools and and uh, uh, have lived in the Mansfield School District for, for a number of years uh, and still do today, uh, albeit on the Grand Prairie side. Um, so um, I, I will share that it's it, it, as, a, as a nearby resident, it's been exciting to see uh, all the growth and development uh, here in Mansfield. Um, Mayor Evans, I'd appreciate you not telling Mayor Jensen this, but uh, I I will confess that we do a lot of our grocery shopping and and, uh, securing of other necessities uh, uh, on the Mansfield side of that line. So I I won't tell him. (laughs) I I appreciate that, Uh, but I really congratulate y'all on on, um, just how you've managed the the incredible growth of this community and uh, while maintaining a great quality of life, uh, both the current and and past uh, council and leadership. Um, so, uh, like, like President Cook said, I, I uh, look forward to, to listening and, and working with y'all. Um, since obviously David represents the vast majority of the city, I look forward to partnering with him to support y'all's priorities uh, in any way that I can. Um, and just, you know, the rest of my district includes uh, a big chunk of Arlington and most of the Tarrant County side of Grand Prairie. Where, uh, and I think that's a, a really good... Um, way to look at a lot of these issues, because a lot of the issues that face Mansfield also face Arlington also face Grand Prairie, so I think a lot of the interests are, are similar and there's a lot of opportunity for, for synergy there. Um, you know, just in terms of big legislative issues, um, I, I, I think David had it right. You know, We got a lot of um, opportunity with, uh, with a huge budget surplus, a historic, generational, once a lifetime whatever superlative you want to use, budget surplus. Uh, and the challenge is how to, how to allocate that uh, responsibly um, to where uh, we're not committing future legislatures to things that, that are not attainable, uh, but also make smart investments uh, in the future of our state. And I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, for us to make smart investments, and hopefully we can do that in partnership with local communities such as Mansfield uh, and make good decisions for, for the future. So I look forward to hearing y- y'all's ideas and supporting you in any way I can.
0: All right, well, <clears throat> we'll start with our TML delegate, uh, Ms. Tamra Bounds, to my right, and then we'll just give uh, council members an opportunity to uh, ask
3: questions. Um, I appreciate y'all coming here today and to sit with us and listen to some of the, the concerns and some of the wishes that we have. Um, certainly, property taxes is uh, one of the most important things that's on everybody's mind. Uh, infrastructure is as well I know that a list went to you guys and on the table is uh, my list uh, additionally that I made the other day so it's already here um, I won't get into a ton of it for uh, purposes of, of having others being able to give you some information it's all here in print um, you know and i know representative cook knows that we are growing really fast and we are looking at things uh, in this city as far as being able to uh, broaden and develop our tourism here and so um at the tml convention and some of the things we discussed here the hotel occupancy taxes uh, we would really like some focus on that we would really like to see that increase anywhere from one and a half to two percent uh, to allow some general use of this percentage, um, either in um, the general or construction expansion, maintenance, and operation of our uh, convention centers. Also, as we set and look at our linear trails, our parks how they are very important to tourism, but they're very important to when people come here. I know when I travel and I go and stay in hotels, I thoroughly enjoy being able to get out and walk on sidewalks, go to restaurants, being able to do those things. So um, I would also like that Mansfield would support legislation that would um, also include expenditures of hotel occupancy taxes for construction improvements in municipal parks trails sidewalks that do connect our parks lodging establishments and other tourist attractions so looking to expand just a little bit more on that but really um, we could all benefit the whole state really could benefit from the expansion of hotel occupancy taxes Uh, one of the other ones that I have are looking at the MUDs and, and not really approving any more of those, um, taking them out and having PIDs. Some of this came from the fact that we do have ETJs that are expanding and we ourselves are looking at providing exceptional housing services uh, and uh, services to the people that will live in that and we will also go to our schools. And with that, we've had some experiences not really good with muds, and so we feel like because they're not really regulated or looked at very much that we'd like to see uh, the formation of pits instead of the muds. And so I have included some information in that in this for you to read. That's precisely what we've dealt with. Um, <clears throat> also, to look at the city of Mansfield that. We have experienced, and I personally have, the devastating power outages and rolling blackouts. I mean, my home went a whole week living on a generator because of the power outages. And some of my neighbors uh, had property damage due to pipes busting. So really would like to see some uh, emphasis and and we would support that for um, looking at the power grid. And, and seeing more funds allocated to that and expanding that for
0: all cities. Let me give them time to respond. All right, <clears throat> gentlemen, okay. uh, j- just in regard to what you've heard, if you'd like to respond to that, you can do that. Then I'm going to go to Mr. Lewis, uh, will come up next. You all want an opportunity to respond to any, any of what you've heard? Yes, I
2: have a question. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, one question on the on the hotel occupancy tax. So, are are you looking for a just a, a blanket increase in the rate that can be assessed statewide, or do you want a, a kind of a Mansfield specific provision put in the statute to allow Mansfield to increase?
3: No, I mean I think the state already has some allocations for certain cities like along it does. the Gulf Coast and things like Orange that
4: and yes and so
3: we're looking at that we also have that opportunity to to have that expansion as well so
2: so whether it was a just a across the board opportunity or a mansfield specific opportunity to why you just want to be able to increase that rate. yes is that however it can get done
0: and more flexibility in usage
2: yeah yeah okay. um my understanding is that there was um, Prohibition on using those funds for parks, but but I know in the last session, like Dallas was able to get uh, some language inserted to be able to use some of those funds raised for uh, State Fair Park for some renovations. So there is some precedent, I think, for doing that. Okay,
0: okay Mr. Luke, well, go ahead, DAVID
1: yeah, I, I was going to make the same comment about about the um, hot funds, and and I know that the city has. Has continually grown, and uh, with regard to the you know, to the funds that are being raised on an annual basis, and so uh, uh, Chris and I can definitely look at that and see if we can uh, do something. I think my guess is it's going to be a whole lot easier to do something specific for Mansfield as opposed to you know looking yeah. at the whole state. That's right. <clears throat> so, and then the the muds I mean, maybe we can just talk. I mean, whoever the expert is on that, maybe I can talk on offline you know, with
0: on that. Okay. So. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> All right, thank you, gentlemen. All right, Mr. Lewis. You, uh, I will reiterate Ms. Bounds'
4: comments. I uh, specifically with the hot funds related. I think we've talked about in the past uh, with the focus on you've got to spend these funds in the in the categories that they're, they're spent in, which it, it's great. It helps tourism, but you also could use those dollars to build a community where people want to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, those funds are very specifically limited, where we wouldn't be able to necessarily do some things that actually do help provide a community where people would want to come visit. Um, as far as priorities for the session, I know that there will be um, different grants and pathways for arts programs in the state. I know, seeing the art industry, the tourism dollars that are brought in, and what is done in the economy with it. So, as those funds are allocated, especially with the surplus, if guys can help us with pathways to getting those funds or um, what what our options are. We um, very much are looking at um, performing arts venue um, for Mansfield in, to be kind of the cultural arts destination south of I-30. Um, there's not really anything we would love to be that, um, but those funds are not in any capital plans currently. And So if there are pathways to funds to help help accomplish that, we'd like to do that. Um, I know the legislature has talked a lot about broadband internet in rural parts of Texas, um, but we also have concerns here in not rural parts of Texas. Um, a lot of our neighborhoods built 20 plus years ago still do not have high speed internet. Um, they have barely DSL. Um, yeah. and so, uh, what I've understood directly from at and is, um, when the easements are in the backyards of those properties, they won't go in and retrofit them because they can't get their crews in because they, there's a lock on the gate or something. And so they, they started to fund them and, and go do that. And then the hassle of trying to get access because if somebody locks their gate, now the crew can't keep going down the line to reinstall all that. If there's anything the legislature can do to help facilitate those things, I think it would benefit a vast majority of Mansfield residents to not be on DSL or, or worse, uh, internet speeds. Um, and then uh, when it comes to the property tax side, I, I know <clears throat> Representative Cook, you, you've been at, at the city side, so you're well aware that a city that grows like Mansfield has revenue needs. And while the no new revenue re- rate is great in theory, uh, that's trailing revenue, where we have demands, where a population increase of 10,000 people means we are hiring firefighters and police officers, and getting facilities for to serve those ten thousand people today, but their tax dollars don't come for future years. Um, and so when uh, HB three and SB two go out and make us with the requirements that are on there, I, I don't disagree with the, the legislation in and of itself, but uh, those those caps and then the language that's required really make us look like the bad guys of, you know, we got to raise our t- taxes, but the reality is. We are lowering tax rates. We are increasing exemptions. We're being fiscally responsible and looking to our future for sustainability. Um, and so when the when the legislation that's been put in place today kind of makes us look like the bad guys, and then there are other representatives that are saying your local leaders have to, not you two, but your local leaders have to accept the no new revenue rate. It doesn't take into account somebody like Mansfield who has massive needs they have or even Midlothian massive needs they have in the long 287 um, for for offsetting the the growth taxes will come down over time as as growth continues the rates will fall Um, but at the same time when property values rise we see the school district side and so if there is any function of the legislature to put focus on the school district side of the tax rate and not continue to force cities we're we're relatively fiscally responsible I know there are other big cities that are not um, but writing legislation to punish Houston or Dallas uh, has a negative impact on places like Mansfield that are being responsible uh, with tax dollars and planning for growth.
0: Would <clears throat> you like an opportunity to respond to what you heard Mr. Lewis say?
4: I
5: agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Probably tax, I mean, right. like, like you said, I mean, I've <clears throat> been, in, been in your shoes before, and so I mean, I definitely look, you know, look at it from that perspective. And, I think it's like I said. I think it's a wait and see approach at this time. So I mean, I don't yeah. think there's anything specific, but I mean, but I have heard more than one conversation where you know think that the potential plan
2: would be focused on the school side. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know you outlined the problems as I see it with SB two really well. Um, one of the reasons I didn't support it because I think it, it you know there were some good aspects to it, but if it. it, it Went too far in tying the hands of, of local government. Um, you know, one of the things I've heard floated recently is a, is a variation on something that we tried when it was originally passed, which is to carve out an exemption exemption uh, from the the cap, the three and a half percent, for say public safety, um, because public safety is the biggest city, single expense any city has. You know high growth community where you got to hire more police officers, buy more equipment, hire more firefighters, et cetera. You know, it, can there be an exception there to, to exempt that portion of the budget from the 3.5%? And I, That was rejected at the time SB 2 has passed, but I've heard some ideas recently on maybe how to even more narrowly uh, focus in on that to provide some relief to cities. So that's something to, to look at, and, and maybe that would be a possibility. Um, the big picture on property taxes, um, you're right. I mean, the, you know, over half of our property tax bill is school district property taxes. Um, and that's not unique to here. That's all of the state. That's just the way our system is set up in Texas is that public education is very dependent on property taxes. And so while the state doesn't uh, directly uh, assess a property tax, we do design the school finance system, which is dependent upon property taxes. So we very much have a role to play in Getting the the school finance system uh, better balanced to where it's less dependent on property taxes. There's more general revenue coming into public education, and drive down those school district property taxes, which should, and then then in turn help homeowners in the long run more than probably any of these other things
0: do. Thank you. All right, Miss Short. Um,
6: I just had a quick question about. Uh, there was recently a, an attack on the power plant in North Carolina, so that makes four states that. That's happened in now where people are without power because most of them are just surrounded by a chain link fence and you know, guy with the gun comes and shoots enough and then thousands and thousands of people are without power for a long time. Is that on the radar at all? Is there anything that you guys have thought of or I guess you I mean you haven't met yet, obviously, but I didn't know if that was on anyone's radar to think what, what do we need to do so that doesn't happen in Texas?
2: hardly specific yet I haven't either other than the general concerns about you know uh, the grid in Texas um, which Ms Bounds spoke about a minute ago um, but you know I think you raise a, an excellent point I mean, given what happened in North Carolina I think that's something that we, we need to look at we need to make sure that our power uh, well any critical infrastructure including power plants is has some measure of protection against that type of attack because obviously, you know, there's copycat crimes, and someone saw that someone was able to do this and was successful to some extent. I mean, I think it could happen again. So, I think that's, that's certainly something our members who work on those issues will be asking questions about. I would think. All
7: right, Mr. Lehman. Chris, you touched on something I need y'all to. Maybe explain this better so I understand it. When we talk in education funding in the state, I know in Mansfield, we could offer, if the state picked up 100% of the education, we could offer a 56% tax cut to all our residents. You already mentioned that. What I'm having real trouble understanding is we're trying to cut property tax, which this would accomplish, As I understand it, and I need you to tell me how wrong I am when I say this, uh, when the state has been challenged, they've lost each time from the school districts. Last time, as I understand it, the Supreme Court said, please don't bring this back. You all need to fix this. I'm just wondering, in a bumper year where we're going to have more revenue, at least that's what I'm hearing, if that is true, why would we not focus more? On education funding and the state taking over that responsibility, so that that will trickle down to every taxpayer in the state in a large reduction in their property tax.
2: Well, I think that may very well happen. Like I, th- I think that, um, you know, like David said, there's competing ideas and, and you know priorities. Every and legislature. So we <laughs> could we could do you know we could do something really significant on property taxes right now on the school district side or specifically do something on school district funding which would then have a positive impact on property taxes on the school district side or and or you know we could look at you know outdated infrastructure and roads and water broadband uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of other unmet needs out there and so i think that what uh, you know, some of the pushback or, or hesitation might be on the property tax side is you know just what uh, David was saying a minute ago like is it you could do all this now but then is it sustainable in in you know, twenty in the twenty twenty five budget cycle and twenty twenty seven and so forth. Uh, and, and I think that's the that's the the, the hesitation that's, that some some may feel. But um, that said, I mean I hope you know I hope we can do some of both um, because the the property tax situation, I think, is just is unsustainable. I mean, given the rising values in, in our property, which you know is really good in, in in one sense, but what it does in terms of people's property tax bills is ju- it's just it's crushing. I mean, it, it really, really is. And so, you know, I think like last time at the end of the third special session, we increased the homestead exemption from twenty five thousand to forty thousand. That's good. That's helpful, but. I don't think any of our constituents are even going to notice it because the valuations are going up so much that they're not going to see a reduction. If they do, it's de minimis. So to to increase the homestead exemption to be having meaningful impact, I mean it's going to have to double or more. Um, You know, and the other way is to look at driving down the rates, but then that then that gets spread across all property, and so homeowners feel even less of a effect. So um, that's the that's the Challenge. But your premise is right. I think I think the state should put more direct funding into to public schools, and thereby lower local property taxes. And and there's two, you know, to point out that you know there's two key components of school district property taxes. There's the uh, operations operations maintenance MNO, uh, and then interest in sinking, <laughs> which is you know, bond uh, packages, so facilities funding essentially. And so the focus I think from lieutenant governor and the governor and some others have been. How do we reduce that M and O rate, or even eventually get it down as close to zero as possible? Then that, that would be the state fully funding the cost of construction or the cost of instruction, if not the cost of construction. Yeah, that's that's
1: my concern. Is that you know you give a temporary temporary relief, and so I think that's the worst thing. That, you know,
7: well, I like your comment out- about that the elderly people not paying tax. <laughs> I'm going to I almost use you as an example, but I didn't want to call you
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board with I'm gonna say I think we're gonna offer on <laughs> one of these old, yeah one of these old days, Mr. We'll Ross. <laughs> <a bit. laughs> Thank you, Mayor. Yes sir.
8: Uh, uh, just agreeing with, with what all I've heard, uh, just make it uh, uh, let it go on record. Uh, that I I do appreciate my colleagues giving you some inputs, insights on what the city is uh, as a whole is looking for and hoping for from from you this year. Uh, One one of the items that I had that sticks in my mind and I know it sticks in uh, uh, Representative Cook's mind is House Bill 2439 that came up back in the 86th uh, session. That's the one that discusses, <clears throat> or, or didn't discuss. It relates to, uh, excuse me, blood pressure
9: monitor going uh, up. Time, talking time about twenty-four
10: thirty-nine. I did. <laughs> <laughs> <hurry>. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
8: but at that point, uh, municipalities were uh, uh, had taken away from them the. Uh, authority to uh, dis- uh, describe building materials uh, for housing, which uh, any city that, that is uh, growing that's doing good things uh, loves the ability to be able to dictate uh, to a degree. We like it if We want masonry, if we want uh, uh, whatever in a certain area. And the only way we get around that uh, right now is, is by uh, forcing PDs. And, of course, we can't force them, but uh, that's the only way we can work around that. That was a tremendous uh, ability for a city to look like a, something you'd be proud of taken away from us. And uh, I, every one of us to a person would like to see that uh, uh, actually, we'd like to see it reversed.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, last session, we got down there with a new guy, and I was like, i, mean, I got to find out whose bill this was, and, of course, it was <laughs> Speaker feeling's bill. <laughs> so, I, I, started, I started to uh, uh, Yeah.
11: yeah
1: so, no, 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 it was his bill. Yeah, no, it was quite the opposite. He, yeah, he carried, yeah, he carried yeah. the bill. He carried the bill to knock it out. and so. You know getting oh, getting, oh i'm yeah, sorry yeah yeah it's yeah, funny it you brought it yeah it's <clears throat> funny you brought it up just this weekend i was someone was with me and i, I said yeah So this is to a building that's mm. I'm broad. i'm going to be more descriptive than that yeah, <laughs> but yeah. the we building yeah. broad. And, and i was like yeah that's here because of the, the building before i went to the legislature <laughs> that uh you know, prohibited cities from you know being able to determine what materials we use and so i i mean just been all all seriousness, I don't see it changing. I mean, just meaning, like I said, the leader, but, you know, the person that directs you know the bills, and you know, the what, what bills go to what committees is 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 the speaker, and meaning that, like I said, it was his bill. And so, I did go have a conversation with him about it, just to kind of see where you know where it came from. I mean, of course, I mean obviously the Home Builders Association was you know, the,
8: was the uh, catapult on it, but, uh, uh-huh. but I mean, well, I, I would just, just encourage as you're thinking of, of your uh representative places down there to just remember that they you've heard me say this before. I, I just hate everything being put in a box. Definitely. I realize from a large perspective, as the state is large as Texas, many things have to be put in the box. Everything has to go in one place, but I would encourage you to every chance you get to think out of the box and okay. remember that all every city is not the same yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: and i would agree that went too that bill went too far in in hindsight and i think a lot of people including myself probably didn't recognize the, yeah. how sweeping it was going to be at the time but i yeah. agree it's been problematic
0: all right <clears throat> i know that mr smolensky had a, had a question as well. Would you like to share yours?
9: Well, I, you know, I think I would want to say something about 2439 first. I think it takes away our ability to make tasteful and, and reasonable uh, regulation of, of development around town. Otherwise, you're going to get what we've seen, uh, You a know, building on Broad Street that doesn't really stand out. It's probably not. Uh, while the building materials are approved, it's probably not the the type of building that will stand the test of time and will result in higher costs later. I think that's silly. And I would also say that if anyone has the ability to build a shipping container home in, in, a, in a development, that's probably a bad idea. But, uh, and it goes that far. That's how, that's how far that, that went. Um, <clears throat> the comptroller stopped issuing letters uh, of approval you know, before for convention center projects and stuff like that, that would uh, enable applicants, developers and cities to, to appeal to the uh for, for a letter saying, yes, you will receive part of the state funding back uh, in order to help pay for this catapult project, right? Catalyst project. Uh, and he's stopped doing that, which effectively kills all of those projects <coughs> when you, Want to accomplish something like that and you have an uncertain or there's that degree of uncertainty around uh such a such a valuable piece of financing for that project it it does two things it either kills it or it reduces the quality of the project significantly up front because they can't count on that revenue source uh, and quite frankly it's a revenue source that they generate so uh, really that just increases commerce in the state uh, obviously it increases commerce in the city that has a project like that. So I think that's something uh, we would ask for support on is to make sure that wh- whether it's a yes or a no, that that ruling is giving up given up front, you're not asked to apply for it later. Because uh, as I said, there, there are two logical outcomes to that lower quality or the death of the project entirely.
1: Has there been any discussion, like either like through TML or I mean, as as to what what his reasons were?
9: Well, yes, we we talk about it, and it seems it seems to have been uh, uh, I say this very politically correct, right? That, that it was a, a personal personal decision to do that, and there seems to be some disagreement, even even with our representatives, as to whether or not he should have done that. That's as politically correct as I can say that. What do you mean? You say what do you mean? You know. That uh, he he took on that he assumed that he had the authority to do that when
1: maybe he didn't. To Did not give the opinion. Is that would. To not give the opinion at all. Yes. And then what was the timing of it? Because that's the first I've heard of it. So, I mean, we, yeah. I'd have to get you. I have to look that up and get some more information for you. as To when the first time that happened was, but was it like something where he, me, he's pretty? I think he does a really good job of communicating. Did, did he put something? Push something out saying as of this time? Here
9: within the last couple of years, I'm not aware that there was a letter that went out. They just it simply stopped. He simply stopped issuing those letters up front. Is that your
2: understanding of that
9: too? Yeah,
10: it's the favorable private letter ruling. I
2: just have to ask him. I. Had- I haven't heard about this issue either, so that's what, the reason was. what can be done about it? I
0: guess. Thank you very much. <clears throat> We're going to come back to uh, Ms. Bounds. Before we do that, uh, I, I want to thank each of my colleagues again for questions uh, that uh, have been submitted. Uh, I-, I do have one myself, I-, I believe that they've checked all of the boxes personally, uh, I, I'm, I'm concerned about and, and I believe that we share this the um, safety of our law enforcement uh, officers regarding the paper tags and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, there have been some initial conversations yet about how we how we change uh, that uh, so that we can we can uh, safeguard uh, harm coming to our law enforcement and, and even to car owners because if you steal a car you can put you can just go to a Xerox machine Boy, I just dated myself then you you can go to a copy machine and um, and print that off and put it on the back of your car so um, that's just an open ended question what what conversations have taken place yet if any guys
1: yeah, uh, regarding I've been, that? Yeah, I've been discussion for you know, several months and okay. you know uh, chairman Goldman has kind of been the one of the point person on it. He's uh, representative from Southwest Fort Worth, Tarrant County, and so I've spoken with him, and he, what he's indicated I me mean, he's already filed a bill. What's the bill number? Seven eighteen. Yeah, House Bill seven eighteen. If y'all want to follow, follow along. But uh, it, and then there's another one that's nine fourteen. Who's whose bill is that? Yeah, that's right. Cole Hebner out in East Texas has filed one okay. as well. But but with Goldman's bill, it, I mean, when I talk with him, we just said it eliminates some period. Okay. And so I, you know, sounds like there maybe needs to be some. Uh, yeah it'll be some yeah. more you know some more uh, you know brain trust Who figures out the complete solution but but i asked him that and i think what he was seeing was either one or two options one is where we would you know we'd keep our plates you know so like your plates would know, move from vehicle to vehicle to vehicle, which is what what happens in the legislature with you know our personal plates if we change vehicles the plates follow and so, I mean that does seem like a, a viable solution the other solution that you know he said seems you know, seems to me to have some challenges which is Is that they would be issued at the dealership level. So if you you bought a vehicle there, the plates would would go with the vehicle, which which would eliminate, you know, the, you know, maybe not eliminate, but would definitely, I think it would be a a big improvement as far as getting rid of the fraud, as long as the, you know, the tote the note on the corner lot is, you know, handling the plates correctly. Yeah, man, they need to be legit (coughs) as well. I think the other, I think what it does is it, you know, like our driver's license have the, you know, the security, you know, the piece, you know, and so those paper plates would have have that, you know, it would be a more secure piece of paper. Uh, so those are the two options that are out there right now that I've heard about. Okay. okay.
2: Yeah, and the only thing I'd add to that is that I've had some more conversations recently with Grand Prairie. Obviously, they tragically lost um, one of their police officers a few weeks ago, Officer Cy, as uh, he was pursuing a suspect with a... Uh, A fake paper plate. Um, It was coincidental, but it was right after the the officer's death that the the Department of Motor Vehicles did put out a new uh, design of these paper plates that uh, ostensibly is harder to to replicate. Um, I don't know if that's going to fully solve the problem. Hopefully, it helps a little bit in the the meantime, but um, I, I. Agree. I think, you know, Chairman Goldman's bill hopefully is a good starting point. Even it's not that, exactly what he's proposing, <laughs> but it's something to, to really, um, you know, reduce the level of fraud uh, that we're seeing uh, with respect to paper plates. I mean, it's a it's a huge problem. It's been getting worse over the last several years. So, um, I likewise will be involved in trying to trying to be part of a constructive solution that will help address that problem.
3: So. All right, Miss Bounds, thank you. Bob. Previously here in Mansfield, and I know that Representative Cook will remember, we um, spoke and the city uh, helped rally and speak out about concrete batch plants. We had a big incident um, that was close to our schools and our homes here in Mansfield, and several went to speak before um, TCEQ regarding that. Uh, with lots of evidence I did lots of evidence I know representative cook had spoken brought lots of evidence forward Um, and it was a four-year fight and while it was suspended it is open for reapplication again so um, the city of Mansfield would uh, support um, that it legislation to look at um, TCEQ's ability to issue permits, but make sure that the city uh, has some input in it that may require consent before they're granted that. And on the bottom of this page, I listed at least three bullets on there, A, B, and C, for you to look at that could be uh, viable verbiage that could be added to it. I've noticed across the state that there's been at least four more of these incidences, and so as we continue to grow as a state, and we're an open for business state, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we do need to have some protections in place for this. This affected our waterways here in Mansfield, it affected our school children, it affected our uh, property, and even uh, the quality of life of some of the the elderly that were living very closely to that. So um, we would ask for consideration at really taking a look at
1: this. Yeah, as you said, I mean, i am definitely, I've been involved in this one, and my only experience with this issue is, is the particular one that you're referring to. But, and for the record, we were the first time that, you know, the first time it's been yes. beat, so that was good that, that the city and the homeowners you know, in that area of, Definitely came together and, and uh, for for a good purpose. And so, yeah, we we had been looking for long-term solutions. I mean, obviously that was I thought was an isolated situation. And so, we're you know, certainly don't have the answer at this point, but we'll continue to look. And, and I, I do appreciate on you know, any of these topics. I mean, I think the more specific y'all get with um, solutions, the better off the better off it is for us. And so, which I mean, y'all done some of that today. And so, but I think having some specific alternatives like that always helps. You know, when you're down there. And there's you know, 150 people in our chamber that have different different opinions. So it, it makes it you know, more doable when you have specific um,
0: offerings. So I appreciate this information. All right. <clears throat> well, gentlemen, with that, we, we we appreciate you. We thank you for coming, and uh, we look forward to um, partnering uh, in regard to. Um, all things Mansfield, so we look forward to it. Nothing against Grand Prairie, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but all things yeah, Mansfield. And, 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 and we'll even say you know, from a regional perspective as well. But uh, hey, thank you all very much. We, we know that you've got a lot on your agenda uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, and, and I just, again, want to remind council that, that we continue to pray for the Cook family and the loss of his brother, Um God's strength uh, to you. And uh, we pray God's guidance to the two of you, to both of you, in this next upcoming session. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Council, we can take five. We can take
3: five. Amen. Are we back okay, we're
0: going. To- City Secretary nearby. Brother Jones, you mind seeing if Miss Kira. All right. You're already, man. <laughs> All right. All right. Council, we're going to reconvene at 2:23 uh, p.m. and we'll begin our discussion regarding the public art funding and policy.
12: You should have the presentation. You should have the presentation. Okay. Okay.
0: kira okay. got All right, we're good. All right, Rosie.
12: Hi, uh, I'm Rosie Gilbert, the cultural arts supervisor. Um, We're coming again for a brief update on our cultural arts master plan. Amanda will talk a little bit about what we've done with community engagement to date, Um, and we do have the beginnings of a draft of our plan that has lots of strategies around facilities, cultural districts, programs, but today what we're really focusing our discussion on is public art. So that's our focus today, to talk about the funding mechanisms and logistics of that piece of this plan. So I'm gonna turn it over to Amanda Golden, our consultant with Designing Local.
13: Thank you so much, Rosie. Good afternoon, council. Thank you so much for having us. Um, Rosie, I am unable to see the presentation on my screen. Can you see it now? No, I just see a camera that's faced at you. I have the slides in front of me, Rosie, if you'll just say. Okay. So if you can, yeah, if you have the slides in
12: front of you um, and just maybe give us a heads up when you want the next one. Perfect, I can do
13: that. OK, awesome. Uh. Whoever is clicking through can start with a quick recap slide.
12: Uh, It looks like Todd is giving you sharing, so you could just share directly from you.
13: Okay, hold on just a second. Looks like you're going to have to stop sharing. I can see the screen now. Council chamber screen. I can, but you'll have to stop sharing before I can.
12: You, you have to stop your share first.
13: are you able to see that full screen yes
0: yes we can see it from this scene
13: excellent okay and you're able to see it full screen right yes awesome okay so thank you so much again for having us we are really excited to talk to you today about public art as rosie said we have spent a lot of time in the community really asking folks what it is that they view arts and culture in mansfield as in the future We've collected a number of survey response from 779 participants as of friday afternoon which is fabulous your staff has worked incredibly hard to get out at every event that folks are attending and really drive those numbers up we've had a number of stakeholder interviews with 25 individuals those calls lasted any anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half and many of you participated in a lot of those conversations we've held six focus groups And we have hosted recent community engagement sessions with 57 individuals just in the last couple of weeks, and then hundreds of folks at hometown holidays. What are folks saying about public art? What we are hearing is that people are really excited about the opportunity to have more public art in Mansfield. We are overwhelmingly seeing that people want more murals. I don't find that to be surprising because that's what you have currently right now when you're looking around the city and people love the things that they're seeing. What's coming in second for folks is sculpture and then some interactive installation. When we ask folks where they're interested in seeing more public art, Overwhelmingly, we're hearing downtown and parks as the two top favored types of locations that people want to see public art within. This is also not surprising as everyone uh, is very drawn to public art on a pedestrian scale. So placing something downtown or in your parks or along your uh, you know, highly renowned trail system is something that is very appealing and very exciting to folks who are spending time in those places. We also were finding that people believe that public art should beautify the city of Mansfield and should also celebrate the history of the city. Um, We also are finding that people understand that public art and a a growing public art collection really helps to build pride within the city and give people something to rally around. So today we're really here to talk to you all about um, what options exist to fund public art. And we really want to have a discussion and have you kind of respond to us and tell us if you think that we're on the right track when it comes to thinking about how we're going to fund a public art program. So governments all across the country fund their public art programs through a percent for art in public development. What that means is that municipalities are allocating anywhere from half of a percent to two percent to public art within qualifying projects those are usually capital projects that are large larger projects so um, these are projects like parks trails fire stations police stations community centers new community pools um, big streetscapes that have really nice amenities we are not talking about taking two percent of any type of budget that include um, regular maintenance on the roadways, regular maintenance to parks facilities, but only on those new projects or pretty substantial rehabilitation projects for parks specifically. The only time in which we would advocate for a budget for public art in a roadway project is if there are major streetscape improvements happening in tandem with the placement of public art. So that would include things like new street trees, traffic calming measures, um, uh, you know, really high quality pedestrian scale amenities, things like that. So we're not advocating that this happen on your our regular road maintenance or even regular road projects, but just on projects that are really highly focused um, on residents and their experience when they're not in their vehicles. So within the constraints of this type of funding for public art, art must be placed at or near the project itself. So you can't have projects that you fund all over the city and then say, we're going to take 2% of all these projects, and then we're going to place them somewhere completely unrelated. There is a requirement that you do have some kind of nexus or connection to where you're placing the new public art and that project that you're taking the funding from. Um, All of the art must be permanent and not temporary. And that's specifically tied to how you're paying for these capital projects. And this is a very, very, very common question um, and a very common practice, that temporary public artwork is not funded through a capital project budget. Um, And then finally, this last bullet is really just kind of reiterating that this is only about funding projects that are large projects this has nothing to do with any of your ongoing maintenance funding that exists but it has everything to do with really large projects that are meant to have um uh you know really wonderful pedestrian experiences attached to those Um, any utility projects as well that are completely below ground are excluded So in the same way that we're asking you as a municipality to fund public art, we also believe that the private development community should participate in funding uh, public art in the community. But as we began to talk about this as a group, we know that there are way more goals that you all have as a council and as a city um, for arts and culture than just thinking about how public art can be integrated into private development. And so we didn't want to limit private developers to only placing public art within their developments. So we wanted to really expand what that might look like in private development and really begin to help developers think about arts and culture holistically and find opportunities to fund arts and culture in their developments in a way that serves their end user. So if it's residents, if it's office workers, um, if it's a medical, uh, you know, a medical facility, those kinds of things, we really want to make sure that those developers are really figuring out how to meet the needs of their eventual end users. And so that may not always be public art. So in the same way that we are asking the city to fund public art through its capital projects, we are asking the private development community to consider funding arts and culture broadly within any new developments. And I hope that Jason and Jason are there uh, in the audience today. And if you have specific questions about which, uh, which types of projects would qualify, they'll be able to help us answer those questions. Um, the, one of the other things that we wanna talk about, we don't want you to think that we are remiss in thinking about how to maintain these facilities over time because a piece of public art essentially should be viewed like a facility. It should have a maintenance plan both in a financial um, respect, as well as um, from the artist. So only the artist who created the work can really tell us how they believe the piece should be maintained. So any time the city of Mansfield is hiring a public artist, in order for that title of the piece of work to transfer from the artist to the city, that artist has to deliver a maintenance plan for you. The city staff person has to review that plan and say, yes, this is exactly what we were looking for. I understand what our maintenance staff needs to do in order to make sure that this piece is kept up Um, You know, every single year. Is it six months? What are the durations of each of the tasks that would be associated with the maintenance task? And then um, that helps you begin to plan for what that financial commitment would be from a staff perspective as well as from a monetary perspective unfortunately, maintenance of pieces cannot be funded out of capital projects. Um, As you know, your capital projects, they can be a maintenance request essentially. So you could fund the maintenance of a park, which usually is a rehab or a restoration of some specific amenity or feature. But in this case, your capital budget would not be able to fund the maintenance of a piece of public art. So that would have to come from the general fund. Many public artists who are making work now for municipalities with the exception uh, of when there are murals placed on buildings or facilities. These folks are usually using materials that don't require significant maintenance, but of course, everything we have requires maintenance. So um, usually that maintenance plan looks like just spraying off the piece of art uh, usually in six month increments with a, a, a light pressure wash, which is, Uh, a really fantastic thing that any staff member could do. Um, Then the next kind of thought process that we wanted to take you through before we began taking questions is um, staff positions also cannot be covered through this percent for our allocation. It's very, very, very similar to how you pay for your parks. Again, that's not something that you could, um, you can't use that money to pay for staff. So uh, as the collection grows, you will eventually need to hire a full-time public art manager to hire the aspects of these programmings these programs we do not believe that this will be in the first year depending on how quickly your projects are built and how quickly money begins to um, be um, allocated for public art that's when we'll begin to understand when that staff position uh, needs to happen so um, in many communities consultants participate in those gap years, because the current staff cannot really take on uh, that um, additional workload, because it is significant, uh, especially if you are looking at any projects that are between $300,000 and $500,000, the the workload to get um, an artist selected, manage the selection process, get them in contract, and then help them get through permitting with your city through fabrication, and then finally scheduling all of the um, different requirements that surround installation. It is, it is a substantial workload, and we don't recommend um, for the city of Mansfield with your current staff that that would be something that uh, you would be able to handle more than one project at a time, and that's very common. Um, and then in addition, if the maintenance is handled in-house by parks, streets, or other crews, Uh, it is possible that you may have to have additional staffing requirements but again this is not in the near future i do not even believe that this would be in the um, you know four to five year range i believe that that would be more in like your nine to 12 year range once your collection is substantial enough that people need to be evaluating the condition of these pieces regularly and with that i will open the floor for questions and comments And I'm going to stop screen sharing so I can see folks uh, asking questions, if that's okay.
0: All right, Amanda, thank you for presentation. Start on my right. Any questions on the right? Comments? None. All right, on my left, questions, comments? Chief Lehman? Thank you, Mayor. When we were talking about this 2%,
7: what is this number? Is this of a general fund, or what, what? what is the 2% of?
13: It comes out of your capital improvements project budget.
7: OK. Thank you.
13: Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> uh, thank
4: you, Mayor. Go ahead. I think my only two comments uh, on the percent for our in the public's side, the first slide, um, would probably be to just start galing down some tiered levels or what our percentage actually would would look like and, and maybe what that funds um, art is kind of subjective in like the cost. I don't always know what that looks like. So um, thinking through the, the cost of a, a project, you know, like $5 million project, 2% is what, 100000 bucks. So what, what would that get us out? For that versus you know if we're building a 50 million dollar facility that's a million dollars do we really need a million dollars for a 50 million dollar facility in public art Um, or could it have some sort of scaled percentage that says anything over 10 million dollars is a lower percentage um just as we go through the process to what what's going to be implemented maybe some examples of what what you could get in, in that world um and then from a private development side I appreciate the hey you have got a lot going on and maybe don't wanna roll this out we also only have like 20 ish percent of land left to be able to make things happen and so if we're going to roll out slowly until we have this full public thing and that becomes important we we may wait so long that the private side is we don't have the opportunities that we would have today if we had things in place for the private side Um, and so i don't know how that would look or, or what that looks like but i don't know if delaying on the private side is necessarily the right decision either um, and then for the private side i do think that we as a city could institute if we're funding portions i'm thinking like in the reserve where we're we are for sure in a ters obligation where we're going to be giving money uh out of that to have a percentage requirement to of their project, or at least of what we're contributing, be part of that public art um, program. Those are just general high level thoughts as you guys start developing through. But I, I love the idea of it. You've got to fund it some, some way. Um, if you don't have requirements in place, this isn't something that private development's going to automatically think about doing. It doesn't necessarily return a tangible benefit uh, to them, although it does return massive dividends for a community. Uh, that that sees it. We we had the opportunity as a council to go to Odessa, Texas, of all places, and they have stained glass inside of one of their fire stations. <laughs> and, you know, you're driving down one of the one of their new streets, and they've got art installations in the median, um, and it 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 just says who you are. It it makes when we talk about world class hometown, those are the things about your hometown that you really love. Um, that and it creates opportunities for the artists that are in our community. To actually stay in our community and display their work so i think overall great program uh love the idea of funding it this way but just lots of refining as we go forward
14: amanda can i don't know if you can see me but i'm up here i was just going to jump in on a few of those questions um so with the percent for art i think today staff is looking for some direction from council as to a percent that they would like to see included in our ordinance that we would bring to council and then that would be a part of our master plan that would sure. be presented in the spring. Um, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you wanna have what, what an example of like a 2% or 1% would, would yes. gauge. Yes. So I think we can, Amanda, if you wanna give that now, and then we can also follow up with that, if, if that pleases counsel.
0: And t- Teresa, let me, let me add, if you don't mind, we, we do know that um, this is happening in other parts of the state. And um, my colleague is correct, They mentioned Odessa, which we, we really loved. I think we were surprised. <laughs> I was, but uh, it, it very, very beautiful. It looked very good and, I, and it helped to establish the character of the city. So maybe if, um, uh, the, uh, maybe if you spent some, some time in bringing forward some templates uh, that would have in it uh, what uh, Councilman Lewis is, is asking for, I think that'll give us a better gauge as to um, what we could do in the immediacy. Uh, we do know that um, that we want to do we want to do it. I, I believe that that he articulated that well. So uh, the one or two percent it give us an opportunity to see what's happening in other places around the city. But um, I think I'm correct in saying that we 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 want it. Okay, so okay. we want it. I think you uh, probably you're Amanda to do well to go and find out. How we get it okay sure go ahead mr
9: mayor so I think I think what we might be able to do is take our capital plan we can look back at the last five years of our capital plan (coughs) apply a percentage to that uh, which would tell you exactly what would have been available for one two three well we'll do it by a percent so you can scale that up and then I think we can ask Amanda to give us examples like you said mr. Lewis of what what can you get for what you know what what have other cities gotten for what so we can give council a clear picture as to what uh, what sort of artwork we could have had around the town or what sort of cultural art uh, uh, implements we could have had so that we can do that pretty simply if that's what council would like for us to do
0: uh, is that what we're saying to my right to my left go ahead you short
6: quick question um, as as we get further into this how would that look if we have set aside you know a hundred thousand dollars you know from for a capital improvement project and we're gonna going to have art done is is it like you put out an RFQ and then they submit
14: something that they would do and then we approve that, is that so good? yeah part of our overall plan will have a plan in place for where we have placemaking, where we have art placed and then as far as how we get an artist, it would go through the same process. Yes, an RFQ for, for artist,
6: And then we'd have some kind of idea of what they're
14: thinking for that particular They would have to put, put a, I think through our whole plan, the process will be that there will be a, a public art, um, did you want to,
12: sure,
14: okay, can. Um, So
12: we do have a draft
14: policy that outlines
12: how that process would happen that Amanda has worked through with us And so yes, once we have that budget Allocated and understand where that project would be located. It would be an RFQ process We are talking about a public art committee to help um, select that artist based on the RFQ submissions Um, and that committee we do need, at least initially, some folks with some expertise, some folks that are in that public art field um, that are maybe curators or artists themselves to help us make sure that um, those submissions are being evaluated in a way that it's not just a piece of art. Do you like it? Is it going to be um, sustainable in terms of the materials safe where it's placed? Uh, And so we, we really don't have that existing expertise, so we'll be looking for that on that board. We will also have an opportunity for some you know, regular citizens, if you will, to sit on that committee, or um, you know, if, if council wanted to have a representative on that committee, that's feasible as well. And then once that committee had a recommendation for an artist um, for any given project, obviously for a lot of these projects, we would be above that $50,000 threshold, so any contract would have to be approved by council, so you would see that final contract. Okay,
6: thank you.
0: All right, I think we're going to have a good time doing this, to be honest with you. Sounds fun, so appreciate it.
12: I did just want to circle back on um, Mr. Lewis's comment about the private percent for art, and um, just let you know that part of the reason we are looking at having that piece come out later is because we have been in conversations um, with the city attorney about how we can roll that out and make sure that it's legal. Um, and and so while we initially were thinking we would love to have them come out in tandem we're not sure that that's possible at this point and we're still working through those details
0: All good. Go ahead.
4: Go ahead, just for what I what I don't want to see happen I understand like okay we can't line up the adoption of this plan in the spring and there may be some pieces what I don't want to see us say is we've got to go build a full portfolio in the city of public space art That takes two or three or five years um, and not have anything in place for the private side faster than that Um, I think the so attorney and legal side if y'all can work together and find out where we do have authority what other communities are doing and and what our options would be uh, I think the faster we can reach that point the better off we are because we're, we're a decade or so from build out of of the major tracts of land and so making sure that we can preserve opportunities for that I just hate to see us wake up in 2030 2035 and have not had the opportunity to put uh, cool things in like the uh, in uh, in Clear Fork they've got the cool stained-glass tower thing and that was great that, that private developer did that in their in their public space but um, we also have similar type developments or developments that should look like that that did not do those things um, and I don't believe they would unless it's stuff that we have Policies in place for.
15: Absolutely.
0: All right. Thank you. Good job.
8: One, one, one question. I'm sorry. Right,
0: Give me Larry. Go ahead, buddy.
8: I know I'm gonna get a button when I turn mine. it's yours will cut on down there. <laughs> uh, Teresa, do I understand uh, that if you put together if money would come in from a certain sector, would it tend to stay in that sector, or did, could that money necessarily just spread throughout the city?
14: The current plan that we're looking at is a is a I hate to say it, the word of a, a pocketbook, but it's a pocketbook for cultural arts and a pocketbook for art within the city. We haven't currently defined a specific quadrant.
8: That, that's fair enough. All right, we're good.
14: All right. Thank up. you guys. Appreciate it very much.
0: Thank you, ma'am. All right, a discussion regarding on-demand microtransit. And I believe that uh, Bart is coming forward. Mr. Van Amberg.
16: Good afternoon, Mayor and City Council members. This is the first of two work sessions this evening on transportation. Interestingly enough, neither of which have to do with roadways. We're going to be talking about three different modes of transportation that, combined with our roadways and highways, will serve the needs of our mobility overall. Um, I think that we've grown to the point where it is important that we consider these initiatives uh, to serve the needs of today, but also tomorrow. the first topic is uh, on-demand micro transit, And I'd been asked by Joe and Matt Jones to help research this topic a few months ago. And I believe managers and mayors from Mansfield, Arlington, and Grand Prairie have also had some conversation about the possibility of transit service interlocally, maybe some trips across city boundaries. And so we had researched that topic to some extent as well. Uh, so our staff uh, have... We've had multiple conversations and meetings with staff members from the North Central Texas Council of Governments, from Trinity Metro, City of Arlington and Grand Prairie, and also with VIA, who is the vendor providing microtransit service to Grand Prairie, Arlington, and also in Fort Worth through Trinity Metro in the form of their zip zones that they have been expanding. Um, So what we've learned from COG and Arlington and Grand Prairie is that this will be a very popular program That your citizens will use this. It will grow and it has been very beneficial in those communities Um, it, It is helping to serve the need of those that don't have reliable transportation but also increasingly our younger generations some of whom just choose to not have their own vehicle so a lot of this is trips to work trips to school uh, higher education facilities in the city and even outside the city, potentially. Um, so it's, a, it, it's becoming a much more diverse uh, group of citizens that are in need of this kind of service. So while looking into the details of an on-demand service for our population as a whole, it became increasingly apparent that we have an unmet need among our seniors and our disabled population. So we do have vans that we shuttle seniors to and from our programs at the MAC. Um, But the only service that we have for the disabled and the seniors for other trips, such as to a doctor's appointment or shopping to buy groceries and such, is uh, being served by Catholic Charities. Now, that is a a program through Trinity Metro, um, but I've spoken with uh, our professionals here that are expert in working with the seniors and the disabled that that is being reduced in 2023 to only one day a week, on Tuesdays only. And it's very competitive for time slots. So very often that is not meeting the needs of of that demographic. and It's certainly not as convenient as it could be. So so that is something we want to look at as actually a secondary program um, in microtransit. Um, So keep that in mind. We're really talking about two separate services and what we have today is uh, council of governments uh, are here to kind of give a presentation about what they can do to offer assistance in providing these services and their expertise Uh, gypsy gavia will present to us and then also we have wayne gensler here from trinity metro who can help answer questions and i of course will be available to answer questions matt jones has been involved in all of this research so maybe we're calling on him Uh, We'll see where we get, but uh, let's welcome Gypsy Gavia from North Central Texas Council of Governments uh, on the presentation.
17: Good afternoon. Thank you so much for inviting us this afternoon. And really thank you for having this discussion on the implementation of transit options here in the city of Mansfield. As you may have noted, I am not Shannon Stevenson, so I am here in her place, and I, am, I can gladly answer any questions that you have, and we have representatives from Trinity Metro in case you have questions more on the implementation side with that partnership. For those of you familiar with the North Central Texas Council of Governments, our transportation department has been, the, and its policy board, the Regional Transportation Council, has been the metropolitan planning organization since 1974. You all know how complex our region is, and with the RTC, they work in coordination with our transit providers to address the complex transportation issues here in our region. In addition to short and long-range planning for transit projects, the Council of Government serves as a designated recipient of federal funds for the Federal Transit Administration. So we work with our transit providers to allocate the funding for our region and use a set-aside for piloting new services. Before discussing this funding, I wanted to go over the general types of services and help clarify some of the differences. Along the top row, you have our fixed route and our commuter bus service. So this is really your traditional service with fixed stops in service times. On the bottom row is where we're really focusing in today, the demand response microtransit on demand services. These two are targeted towards different audiences and have different benefits. With demand response, you're really looking at that door-to-door service, and it's usually the service used for paratransit and senior trips. And then with the micro-on-demand service, this is your shared rides, curb-to-curb. So passengers are able to connect to transit on real time, and it's really used for that first-last-mile application and for those areas with lower transit demand. Recently, the North Central Texas Council of Governments completed a transit study for Tarrant County. As part of the study, we, we went ahead and evaluated the different options available here in Tarrant County. As you can see, Trinity Metro is the largest provider and they provide general service for all, for the whole population in the dark blue. You do have additional services with Arlington and Grand Prairie, both having projects that are on demand and demand response for the general public and for their seniors, individuals with disabilities respectively. As part of this transit study that was requested from the Tarrant County Mayor's Council, we co- and it was completed in 2021, we developed a comprehensive approach to planning and implementing transit services in the requested areas, really trying to balance the need of the different cities and the different needs across the county, ensuring that we're addressing equity and considerations for member and non-member cities. A part of this study, we looked at inter- internal and regional connections, regional implementation, near-term, so from now to 10 years implementation, increased transportation options and innovations, along with funding options and the involvement of the private sector. Based on this study, Mansfield is designated as a high-need area when you take into account the population employment densities, transit-dependent populations, activity centers, trip patterns, and existing conditions. On this map, we'll see the travel demand patterns along the city of Mansfield. You'll notice that there is not really one central point of interest. It's pretty much spread across the city. But you will notice some larger travel demands kind of near the borders of the city going towards Arlington and Grand Prairie. So what this tells us is that microtransit is really a good fit for your city since there are multiple points of interest inside the city. But also looking at points of interest along the surrounding cities and communities for the implementation of micro on demand options there's really two paths the city can take path one is partnering with an existing provider such as Trinity Metro here there's funding available at 80% federal 20% local the effort from the city of Mansfield staff is fairly low since the Trinity, since Trinity Metro is really responsible for the compliance and all the FTA requirements in addition to managing the federal reporting and compliance activities, Path B is become a subrecipient of the North Central Texas Council. We would be using very similar funding, so it would be at 80% local or 80% federal, 20% local. The effort from the city staff would be medium to high, since the city is responsible for the compliance of FTA requirements, and Cog would be providing support with the funding, reporting, and oversight. I did want to make a note that Mansfield not initially is eligible as a following the model of Arlington and Grand Prairie, since those two started off as subrecipients of call and then later on became direct recipients of federal funding. So definitely trying to, as we're going through these different paths, it would be really important to know kind of what the investment is from the city when it comes to staff time. So with option A, we have partnering with Trinity Metro these are the different funding programs that are available for this service. The first one we have is Job Access and Revert Commute for the general public. Here the funding is programmed directly to the provider, in this case, Trinity Metro, and the city would provide the 20% match to the agency. This takes probably the most, since it is 10 to 10 months for funding to be approved, since it has to go through additional steps on the federal level. Seniors and Individuals with Disabilities is a different funding program, And very similar to the previous one, it would be programmed directly to the provider with a 20% match provided by the city. It's available a little sooner since there's a a couple of steps less required from from the federal government. We do have a third option that would facilitate the funding and the service to happen a little bit faster, which is the local funding option. This provides really the flexibility from the city to decide what the target populations are and what type of service provider they wanna go with. Also, the city would cover 100% of the cost, so it is definitely more cost heavy, but it would happen a lot sooner with really just having the city negotiate the agreement with Trinity Metro. Option B is becoming a subrecipient of the North Central Texas Council of Governments. Very similar programs. Differences here is that the city would be submitting a reimbursement request to the Council of Governments for the 80% federal. Here, funding would take along the same amount of time, but additional time would be needed once a funding agreement is in place for reviews of the procurement process and the agreement. So this is in the circumstance that the city wants to go ahead and procure a service outside of an existing transportation provider. So on this matrix, we do have a couple of benefits and drawbacks with each option. Option A, working with an existing provider with Trinity Metro. Trinity Metro is an experienced transit authority in our region. They would be managing the reporting, compliance, and oversight for the Federal Transit Administration. They also have a bigger, they have negotiating power since they have a bigger agreement with their micro transit provider. They also can provide regional connections because of the service area that they currently provide. They also provide consistent regional branding and a framework in order to establish long-term options such as rail um, also there's one agreement the city would just be working with Trinity Metro versus having various agreements with different cities different vendors and then with the drawbacks here this, a lot of the management would be coming from Trinity Metro so the city would still haven't say with the agreement and with the project um, but it would be a little less than if the city had an agreement directly with a private provider. Um, also, the city would be, have to become a member city of Trinity Metro in order to have board representation. So just things to consider. As far as becoming a sub-recipient of COG, so this is p- option B, second path, is that the city would have more control of the service since they would be working directly with the transit agency, but it's really very similar just depending on who you want to partner with you all would have more say on the branding for example as well um, some drawbacks here of course is that the city would be issuing the procurement for the vendor so that would we have to be compliant with federal transit administration um, requirements also the city is responsible for the reporting compliance and monthly invoicing um, to the federal government um, we would again work in support in that effort but um, You all also would have your own contract with a private provider, so there's also that type of level of negotiating power that um, would be very different as compared to working with a larger agency. You all would also have to consider additional agreements and contracts, so you all would have to have an agreement with any partner city that you're working with, with the Council of Governments, and also with the vendor that you select through the procurement process. As far as implementation schedule, this is really dependent on when the city is ready to move forward on one or two projects. Um, So once the city is ready, they would submit the project request to the Council of Governments. And depending on what path you take, it's still very similar. So we were estimating two months in order to ensure that the service itself um, fits our scope, budget, and ensure we have the implementation agency correct. We do have to submit it to the Transportation Improvement Program, so our TIP, which happens every three months. So we we have one coming up in January, and then if we miss that deadline, we would have to wait for the next one. Once that is submitted to the TIP, we would be presenting the project to the COGS committee, so the Surface Transportation Technical Committee and the Regional Transportation Council for approval. And then we, from there, we move forward with the federal funding, ensure that that is in place before there's an agreement in, with, between the city and depending on what path you take, either with COG or with Trinity Metro. Now, I did write or include this optional timeline of six to nine months in case services have to be procured. There would be some additional review from the Council of Governments, either on the solici- solicitation you're using or preparing you all to release a solicitation with FTA requirements. All right, some elements to consider as you as you're trying to create a vision of public transportation for your city. We spoke a little bit about the service type. So wh- what type of service are you looking for? Are you looking for that flexible service that can do the door to door? Are you looking more for curb-to-curb, which is more on demand, can be requested same day service. Also, who is your target populations? I think there's really two projects that we're looking at. One for the general public, another one for your seniors, individuals with disabilities. Both projects would be eligible for the funding that I presented today. The other thing to consider is taking a scaled approach. As cities venture into public transportation, it's really helpful to start small and build upon that. to it helps to evaluate what the needs are and really where are people trying to move is it more intercity local city options so things to consider as you're evaluating your different options and then of course the last one is the implementation do you all want to invest in city staff and take on a project Directly with a vendor or do you want to take a more skilled approach and work with an existing provider? Trying to keep in mind. What is the long-term vision? This is just introducing public transit to the city But are you all looking to build relationships in order to eventually? include or introduce rail in the long term With that, uh, here's my contact information, and I have also included the information for our senior program manager, Shannon Stevenson. Um, can definitely take on any questions at this moment.
0: All right. Ms. Bounds. Then Ms. short.
3: Just a couple of questions on the cost. So how is, so if we go plan A, which is 20%, um, what does that look like? How is it calculated?
16: I think I can answer that probably more accurately. Um, <clears throat> when we started this conversation, we reached out to Trinity Metro and Council of Governments to get a good feel for that. Um, we were we received actually a, a quote, a very preliminary quote, um, that Trinity Metro received from VIA, who is providing that service for them. So first thing I'll say is it depends, of course. And part of that depends on what days of week and hours of the day we want the service available. So again, the recommendations are all kind of, start small, build into what your community needs are. So between COG and research that VIA has done, they kind of have a pretty good idea on what a ridership would start as, and they have even projections that what that might grow into. So they were suggesting uh, one of the options was weekdays only, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., and at the time, uh, and so what, what they do is, looking at ridership and when that would occur, they calculate a number of vehicles that would be necessary to dedicate to our community. Um, so we have choices even, in some cases, what types of vehicles. Kind of the main category is going to be gas-driven or hybrid vehicles. There's a uh, higher upfront cost for hybrid. Um, but back then, we were looking at a cost of roughly 900000 to a million. Uh, for a a five-day-a-week service that would employ six vehicles and keep in mind that quote was only good through September but that's the ballpark we were looking at so if we get the federal funding approved up front before we launch into that we would figure 20% of that cost would be us
3: is that one time a year that that cost is
16: Uh, yes that's annually now they also gave us a quote for seven days a week same hours 6 to 8 so this would ramp up to 7 vehicles and the cost there was between 1.4 and 1.5 million and this is just for the on demand service for the general population we did not initially start this research into enhanced needs for the seniors and the disabled
3: um and the oversight What would that look like so there would be reporting so if we did the 20% or the lesser and we let Metro do all that they would do all the oversight they would do all the reporting is there a certain um, report system that would come to us that would give us all the details and then what does that include licensure um, reference checks Um, what does that look like for us for oversight (laughs)
16: <laughs> okay. Uh, no matter what we do, we'll get all the data we need. There's no question about that. So anything we want to know about the program, we'll have free access to. The The real difference that I'm seeing in the two routes to go is, we can partner with Trinity Metro. In other words, our contract would be directly with Trinity Metro. They handle the relationship with Council of Governments, who handles the relationship with the federal government for the federal funding. So. We are simply paying for a service now yes we will need to be active answering questions with our public managing and keeping up to date with that contract and the details of it with Trinity Metro but that will be the agency we're contracted with an existing federal transit or an existing regional transit agency that is the recipient of the federal funds Uh, the other route to go is um, we want to contract directly with a service provider like Via. We we do have to meet all of the federal requirements for procurement, and they're pretty extensive for FTA funding. There is a possibility that we can utilize the procurement process that the City of Arlington recently under, undertook. Um, that is still being researched. We need to see if adding another city onto that procurement process is even meeting the standards of FTA. So that is being looked into by Arlington and by Council of Governments. We don't have that exact answer. That would would involve us contracting directly with a vendor, a service provider. Trinity Metro's out. COG is still involved because they're the gatekeepers of all their federal money coming into our region for transit. But we're simply going through the reporting process with Council of Governments. We have a direct relationship with the FTA for for our funds. That requires quite a bit more staff time. It gives us a more direct relationship with the service provider, but it does involve us having to have staff dedicated to the program and its contract. So we need to become pretty expert in that negotiation process and in the service itself. And we will definitely have involvement by a vendor in our public communication. but we won't benefit from, say, Trinity Metro's expertise in already providing those services.
3: I think my concern is, would be, if we're all hands-off and we're having everyone else do everything, which does reduce our costs and not needing more staff, I'd be worried about safety, and I'd be worried about if there's any reports that would come to us that would show us driving records, that would show us Uh, who those people are that are coming to pick up these people, what their credentials are, because some of them are elderly, and they would have to look at that, but there's been some safety concerns out there with some of that lately, and so I would have a concern with that.
16: Let me see if Wayne Gensler can speak to some of the drivers.
0: And then Ms. Short, I haven't forgotten.
10: Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for letting me take a moment to speak to you, and certainly would uh, uh, love to partner with you we have the expertise as you heard uh, of managing the system already we have uh, six zones in the fort worth area currently uh, the service as you heard starts slow very slow in the very be- in the beginning and then it keeps growing <clears throat> to answer your question directly about drivers we uh, we maintain direct communication with uh, via and 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 look at all the records we do audits just like we have a mar- marketing department so we would do everything for you we're not in this for a profit-making that's not what we do Uh, we're an agency we're there to manage transportation and get people to and from where they need to go in the best most efficient way possible Uh, we absolutely have the oversight in place we have a management team that runs and oversees our our on-demand services and uh, and I'm one of the people that oversee it obviously I'm the CEO I'm sorry, should I should introduce myself. Wayne Gensler, and I'm the chief operating officer for Trinity Metro. And we'd, we'd, we'd make sure that everything ran the way you want it to run. When you talk about partnering if you want certain branding on the vehicle. We'd brand it our, with our branding, but we'd also brand it with you. We'd co-brand it. We'd talk to your marketing and make sure that everything is the way this community wants it to be. And would would oversee the day-to-day operations of, of the system.
0: Thank you very much. All right, Miss Short. Can you tell me again
6: how you determined that Mansfield was a high needs area?
17: Sorry, just want to make sure the correct slide was up. Yes. So the study that was done for the whole Terran County, it was really focused on cities that were not currently part of a transit provider or authority. So really looking at doing a technical analysis on the population, transit-dependent populations was a big factor. So looking at how many individuals are in the city that are seniors, individuals with disability, car-dependent, and based on all of these factors, and it was really determined that all the dark purple in this map were the high-need areas. So those that had a high percentage of those transit-dependent populations. Um, definitely, I can share the study if that's more helpful, but it, this was part of the whole, a whole effort for the whole Tarr- Tarrant County. So, I mean,
6: I, I would probably like to see that because I think when you're just plugging in numbers, sometimes you don't get an accurate view. I mean, we all know that if a bodybuilder steps on a scale that's gauging your BMI, it says he's obese not accurate so when you plug in the numbers you may not be getting an accurate view of Mansfield and was the reason I say that is because I know Bart brought up the Catholic uh, charity doing driving doing the trips but we also have our Mansfield mission and I spoke to Carmen about um, what they do to help people who are in need of rides and they have uber on demand and I asked how often That service is used. It's not used that often with the mission. They have had clients in the past who have regular therapy dates and they just set up a schedule with Uber on demand. They've had clients who need to go to the doctor. They do that. So we have someone who's taking care of those needs, and maybe there are others in our city that are in need and aren't aware of the mission, but. We do have someone that's taking care of our elderly and those in need of getting their medication, getting to the doctor, things like that. So I just want to make sure we are looking at this uh, realistically. If if we have something there, if people are in need, they're going to seek out ways to fill that need. We have a mission that is taking care of this. It's not being used that much. and. I know you guys have done the studies. I read several articles about microtransit. And okay, there's, there's some good sides to it. There's also some negatives. There's a lot of data out there where cities have put this in place and it didn't go over as planned. It wasn't used like they thought it would, would be. More money had to be dumped into it along the way. And one thing that I think this body needs to consider is if the use starts to grow, then the cost starts to grow as well. And we are tasked with making sure we are spending our taxpayers' dollars well. And I'm sure every other taxpayer feels this way as well, that so much of our money gets put into programs that may start out with good ideas, but get abused along the way. And I don't wanna see that happen here in the city of Mansfield.
16: I completely agree with everything you're saying, I do. As far as the on-demand service goes, there are many levers that can be pulled to keep a manageable program, to keep the cost down. We've discussed many times with Arlington and Grand Prairie how their strategy is working with how to keep that uh, within the realm of their budget, and that is very important. Regarding the seniors, I'll be the first to admit we haven't done in-depth research. I've spoken to everybody I can think of here at the city initially just to kind of get a feel for what's going on, but I completely agree before we... Uh, suggest moving into a program with Trinity Metro. We need to do more research about everything. that's being done now
0: It's good work. All right. Go ahead. Uh, who else mr. Lewis?
4: Thank you, Mayor uh, I, uh, I Hear Councilwoman shorts uh, points and do agree uh, largely this is a Ultimately comes down to money, right? What, what is the best use of taxpayer funds, and how are we implementing them in a way that's responsible and that can be sustained long-term? Um, and I, I don't think I have enough information today to get go option A, option B, which, which path is best. Um, you did mention that you had ridership estimates for what Mansfield would roll out in that um, Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., five-day-a-week, six vehicles. Do you have that ridership number that you could share?
17: Yes, so we do have some recommendations, or based on the recommendations from the transit study, that we can definitely share. And these are really your medium term, so um, once on demand service would be implemented. Also, I think you were, is that the Trinity Metro? Yes. So we have some from Trinity Metro where. Where it's okay, so that's the van hours that we can we can probably share an updated version on, but um, let's see so based on the transit study, really what you're looking at is on demand service in the city of Mansfield. a lot of it would stay within the city with the average annual ridership around at least starting off around ten thousand for just a day. So then, sorry. No, I am looking at the wrong slide. We can provide that information that, to you. It's within the transit site.
0: <laughs> this is the first of two meetings.
4: Yeah, what, what I would just want to draw attention to, and it will probably be the number that I f- focus in on, is uh, the cost that you just put out there, our 20% is roughly $200,000 a year. Are we are we letting eight people get sixteen trips, and that's that's what that cost is? Or I need to really hone in on like how many people are we actually benefiting? How many trips are we talking about in that Monday through Friday, six a.m. to eight p.m.? I think that's a great uh, the suggestion of starting small and, and scaling up is great. Um, I will speak to the option A. I think long term we've talked about you know twenty forty 2040, twenty forty five. This city has designated future commuter rail through our city um and that would be provided through i believe trinity metro is that correct so having a partnership and a relationship there if future commuter rail is coming through our city is probably not a bad bad choice but we really need to look at at timeline Um, only other comments are uh it's 2022 this obviously takes some time to roll out we're not making a decision today um but our city is growing and while we have 80,000 people here today, that in 2030 looks a lot different than it does today. Um, I think back to uh, presentation, I think at the last meeting on our youth council, they put a, a graph up of our demographic mix and it got really skinny in the, in the 20 year range and then it, it bloated out You know, when you get into your late 30s and going up. Um, our community is aging, it just is. Um, and when you build a city that is auto dependent like Mansfield is a hundred percent. We have left out a group of people, and that group of people will grow larger uh, as the city continues to age. Um, I've, I, when I first saw this, I went up to Via, talked to people in Arlington, I talked to Mayor Jensen in Grand Prairie. Um, what What struck me was if something happened to me today, where I physically could no longer drive either physically or mentally was no longer able to drive but had a healthy body I would be isolated into my home you know if my if if I were a widower or a widow um, who was just dependent on local charities to go to my doctor's appointments or to go to the senior center over here at at the MAC I would be limited to that that's my social hour that's that's what I get you know um, if there's some reason that that I can't drive I'm dependent on all these other groups or the private option that is in the market today is uber or lyft or any of these others and so then I'm dependent on paying 15 or 18 or 20 dollars for a ride across town during peak demand times to be able to go across town and um, it, it concerns me as our, as our population ages that, that we are leaving people uh, with either medical needs that now become homebound, but they're fully physically capable of being able to interact socially and go have coffee at, at Mary Lou's or go into Market Street and do their own grocery shopping, but they shouldn't be on our roads. They shouldn't be driving, but they have no way to walk there. And I think that that is a segment of our population that no matter how much we study, we're not going to be able to identify them on paper. Um, but having an option for them that uh, does not involve a $15 Uber trip to get to Market Street is probably a viable option that we should explore. Um, but it, it ultimately does come down to: Are we going to spend $200,000 or $300 or $500 or whatever the cost is annually, and it, it's only benefiting 10 or 12 people? That that can't happen. But if we can make it make mathematical sense and, and economic, I absolutely think it's a service we should provide.
17: And I can definitely add in. So one of the projects that I'm involved with outside of this is our Access North Texas, which is our regional coordination plan focused on seniors, individuals with disabilities, and low-income populations. And one of the strategies there as a result of public input and meetings across the region is the affordability of transportation options. So as we mentioned earlier, whatever option, whatever path the city takes, it can be scaled up and down. So if you're seeing a high utilization, there's definitely other options for additional federal funding, but also if you're noticing that you're not getting the ridership that you, that was projected, um, there's ways to scale the project, whether it's marketing, changing the service hours, really with the partnership, with Trinity Metro they have the expertise to help identify how to scale the project and how to scale the service based on those needs Um, but yes through Access North Texas that was one of the biggest barriers that we saw across the region in Tarrant County included was just the cost of transportation options especially among private providers it it was really high especially for seniors individuals with disabilities and our low-income populations
0: Thank you. Before you leave the mic, we have Mr. Lehman, I believe he had a comment. After him, I think uh, Mr. Brosh. And then I've got a comment from uh, Mr. Zeno uh, Powell, who leads our senior program. He's jumping up and down on my phone like going nuts, trying to wave at me. So I want to share his comments as well. So we'll go ahead, uh, Mr. Lehman, and then Mr. Brosh. Then Thank I'll you. Uh, I share a lot of
7: what Council Members Lewis and Short has said, but I also my experience has been a little different. I think everyone here understands. As recently as this morning, I had a conversation with a young lady who had seen the agenda, and she's on my case about bringing crime into into Mansfield from Arlington. Uh, I think all of us know Arlington has suffered at malaise ever since they put mass transit on a ballot, and I think it's failed three or four times, and that seems to be a driving force. I'm not saying it's true, I'm not saying it's untrue, but it is uh, an issue we need to look at and address. Also, the points about having to pay thousands of dollars for 12 or 15 trips, I understand and, and I get. I also think Councilman Lewis hit the Nail on the head, we do have a population uh, that they don't have options or they're not aware of options. I understand the mission and other places do make it available, but a lot of those people, for whatever reason, do not get the information. I'm not even sure they'd get the information if we had this. Mm -hmm. So I think you got to weigh everything, but it all does come down to what makes the most sense with tax dollars. Uh, And I think y'all are in this business. I can recall vividly when Dart first came on the scene, the thinking was the biggest ridership would be from South Dallas into downtown Dallas. And it turned out to be totally untrue. The largest ridership is the McKinney line going into downtown Dallas. And that's a much more affluent area. Uh, The one argument I always hold out, I had friends that said, layman, I could have mass transit take me from my house door to my office, and I wouldn't take it. And I've said, well, what if it took 40% of the vehicles on the road, off the road? Well, they're all for that. So I mean, it, there's a lot of issues weighing in here, and I think you really need to sharpen your pencil, not saying you haven't or you don't. but. We're no, no different than what Arlington, when they came on the line. I know you had every one of these questions, I'm sure with Grand Prairie. Uh, but one of the major concerns, here again, I'm not saying it's true, but it is a perception. If we do this, then all of a sudden, we're opening up our city to crime. So <clears throat> I'm just making those points. Uh, I am keeping an open mind, and, and I'm most interested. I was one of the ones really pushing the VIA. Once I heard it, I'm on regional transportation. made a lot of sense to me what Arlington was doing and then Grand Prairie got in the game. Uh, so anyway, I, I would really like to see with all these ideas and thoughts worked in, uh, Bart, <laughs> you get to tell us what's the best price on how to carry this out. And I really want to stay focused on Trace uh, Casey's uh, consumer. There, there's a lot of elderly people that need a way to the doctor, need a way to Mary Lou's, need a way to church. They, they just need ways, and Uber is good, but it's not economically
0: it's not too expensive. Thank you.
8: All right, go ahead, Mr. Bronx Thank you, Mayor. I'll keep this brief because I, I am very limited on my knowledge and understanding of this uh, thus far. But my question, one of the questions I have is, do we have a problem with seniors now? I hear Mr. Lehman say we do. Uh, I, I'm shocked if we do with the number of churches and charities that we have in this city. Uh, I'm really shocked. If I could find out, I'd love to know that. If there is a senior, uh, an issue getting seniors around. Now, I totally agree that uh, the younger generation is not driving the way. The older generation drove when, uh, when we turned 14 and 15. Um, I have a grandson that's uh, 17 that just got his beginner's permit. He doesn't want to drive. He just doesn't care to, and it, that amazes me. I, I mean, I'm, I want to get in there and go. Agreed. Larry. Uh, but but it's, that's what we're, we're facing. So it leads into my second question Uh, I think I know the answer to it, but uh, I'd like to hear it for sure, is uh, I I love to get federal money. I pay a lot of money into the federal funds, so I'd love to see a little bit of it come back. Uh, That being the case, uh, is there a way uh, for the private citizen, the one that needs the ride, to share in that uh, what we're talking about, a 20 percent? Uh, would be a very cheap ride uh, based on what I'm hearing. I think I know the answer and I don't, I'm not going to like it probably, but go ahead.
16: Well, just to be clear, these rides aren't free. They are heavily subsidized, so a ride is typically 3 to $5 one way. Uh, sometimes that's dependent on the distance, but uh, we have some control
10: over the cost of each ride to our citizens. Well, that's Arlington and in Trinity Metro system, we charge $3 a, a ride.
8: Okay, so there Flat is there is a there is a, a fair there is a fair. Okay, a okay.
10: But you know,
16: as we've heard, Uber and Lyft are now increasingly more expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 15 dollars well, ride 15 sometimes to get instead to be of a taxi.
0: All right, are you done. I will. Okay, let um, you go. All right. Let, listen, let me um, let me thank my colleagues. I think that uh, what we're hearing today is, of course, uh, microcosm as to the importance of communication. I thank them very much. I've got, I've got um, Mrs. Zeno uh, Powell, who leads our senior program, and he's, he, he's, he's texting the Dickens out of me. He's watching this, and he says, um, big problems with seniors getting transportation, exclamation point, exclamation point. So uh, we, we, I'm sure that in meeting number two, we'll hear from the director of our senior services here in Mansfield. Uh, The other is, I think that uh, it's important to note, um, since I'm from the nonprofit community, not-for-profit, is that Catholic Charities and our mission, they are outstanding. They do an outstanding job. Their problem is manpower or people power. They just don't have uh, the volunteers to um, produce those rides. Um, Mr. Um, Lewis, I believe that he communicated quite well in that uh, when, you, when we're depending upon these services, that um, you're locked in to Monday or Friday. You, you're not, you don't have the flexibility. You can't, can't go, which, of course, what that does is it backlogs the system, uh, the um, not-for-profit system. Us um, churches, we would love to do it, but now we get stu- sued a lot. So uh, we're living in a litigious society, as to answer one, one of my other colleagues' uh, point. And that is crazy to me, but we've we've been hit twice. So um, I, I do think that um, if you come back uh, with uh, more information that, that will help us, uh, we are a growing city. And I appreciate the fact that we have colleagues here who will at least listen to uh, and hear what the needs are. And then I would ask you also, uh, through our city manager, if if um, when those studies come, as Ms. Short mentioned, if you would uh, just just share those numbers with us, then at the same time, again, um, Mr. Layman is correct because sometimes those projections are surely off, you know. And um, here we are at about eighty thousand people, but we know in a decade we'll be uh, we'll probably be double that, and um, that says a lot too. I, I do know that that some of the some of the other positives, not only in serving our uh, persons with disabilities as well as our senior adults is the um, economic engine behind it. Uh, The, uh, uh, my other colleagues in Arlington and Grand Prairie, of course, uh, and and of course here in Mansfield, in regard to our staff, uh, see that the advantages of having micro, again, this is is micro uh, transit, not mass, is that uh, we would be able to visit between our venues. Um, of course, in Arlington, we have Jerry World and Grand Prairie, we have other things. But uh, the day is coming, say to our colleagues, well, we're going to have our own playland, land, uh, whatever we're going to call it at the time, and um, it's going to be important, I think, to uh, uh, ferry people back and forth in and out of Mansfield. Uh, we see that day coming, and uh, we've got a group of innovative thinkers here, so uh, thank you all so very much for coming forward. And uh, look forward to uh, number two, you know, when we come and we meet again, Bart. But I think this is forward thinking. I think it's quite important. And uh, hopefully we can find a happy medium between all of this. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Council members, thank you all so very much. That was good. Good, good discussion. All right. We will recess now into executive session uh, pursuant to... um, Section 551.071, Texas government code, council reserves the right to convene an executive session from time to time, deemed necessary during this meeting for posted agenda items to receive advice from its attorney as permitted by law to discuss the following. A, pending or contemplated litigation or to seek the advice of the city attorney pursuant to section 551.071. Seek advice of city attorney regarding pending litigation, calls number 348-270155-14. Seek advice of city attorney regarding pending litigation, cause number uh, 3 by 20, CV2601-NBK. Seek advice of city attorney regarding legal issues pertaining to inter, uh, economic development projects listed in section 3D of the agenda. Discussion regarding possible purchase, exchange, lease, value of real property pursuant to section 551.072, land acquisition for future development. C, personnel uh, matters pursuant to section 551.074. Discussion regarding city manager. D, deliberation uh, regarding commercial or financial information received from or the offer of a financial or other incentive made to a business prospect seeking to locate, stay, or expand in or near the territory of the city and of which the city is conducting economic development negotiation pursuant to section 551.087 economic development projects uh 21-01 22-01 22-04 22-14 22-18 22-19 22-27 the council will now resource recess into executive session at 3 39 p.m alright we all here Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to reconvene into our regular business session at 7.02 p.m. tonight. We have Mr. Jerry Ritchie from the Walnut Ridge Baptist Church who will offer our invocation. We'll have our Pledge of Allegiance by Mr. Casey Lewis, our Texas pl- uh, Pledge by Mr. Mike Lehman. Let us all stand, and if you are a gentleman wearing a hat, will you please uncover.
5: Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day for the rain and the cooler temperatures. Father thank you for those who are, for those who are in our, our lives, and thankful that, that you are our Savior and our Lord, that you are our Creator and our friend. You are our protector and our provider, our healer, and our comforter. Father, I want to ask you to be with our national, our state, and our local leaders tonight, to guide them, to give them wisdom in every decision. I pray that they would not be swayed by worldly influences and always consider your will in their decisions. Father, I'd also pray for our first responders. Please protect them. Father, I return them safely to their houses each day. Also, please be with our schools, the administrators, our teachers, our students. Guide them in their academic pursuits and keep them safe. During this Christmas season, Father, we especially want to say thank you for your son Jesus. For his birth, his death, and resurrection, Father. We give you the glory and the honor, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Honor the Texas flag. pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, one state, under God, one and indivisible. Thank you very much. You may be seated. This time we have uh, three very special recognitions. The recognition of the municipal court staff, and uh, after which we'll have the recognition of the Jesse Fernandez Frontline Leadership Award, and then we have one for a very special person, our deputy city manager, Shelley Lanners. So those who's presenting in regard to the uh, multiple municipal court staff, you will come forward.
18: come on over, Danny. So what we wanted to this on? yeah. So what we wanted to uh, recognize Danny for tonight. Uh, Danny was awarded a from the Texas Municipal Court Association a outstanding achievement award, uh, and you can only earn this one time in your career. Uh, Natalie, who could not make it with us tonight uh, because she was sick. Just earned her level one certification. Uh, that is also one of those things uh, that you can only earn one time. Danny has her level three certification, but so we wanted to recognize Danny on earning that outstanding achievement award uh, that is recognized from the Texas Municipal Court Association.
0: Joe Smolenski is going to come at this time and offer the recognition of the Jesse Fernandez Frontline Leadership Award and the award winner. Thank you.
9: That's definitely on. For those of you who didn't hear, I told Danny she got her Lifetime Achievement Award tonight and she's nowhere near done with her career, so it's all, it's all downhill from here. But, uh, now, Danny's a, a real bright spot in the organization, so I appreciate you guys helping us recognize her tonight. We started an award several years ago uh, called the Jesse Fernandez Frontline Leadership Award. And this is for those folks that wear muddy boots. These are for those folks that are out there actually working with residents, uh, out in the field, out on the front lines, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm going to turn it over. We'll start this video, and you can hear from past uh, recipients of this award what it means to them. or you can just read it. <laughs> I was
19: joking, can we get that
20: No person less sound on? worthy of respect. No?
19: Than they who either, re- the poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. There are many who feel a kind of twisted pride and cynicism there are many who confine themselves to criticism of the way others do
21: what they themselves dare not to even attempt there's no
20: more unhealthy a being no person less worthy of respect
19: than they who either really holds or feigns to hold an attitude of sneering disbelief towards all that is great and lofty
10: it is not the
4: critic who counts not the person who points out how the strong team member stumbles
19: or where the doer
22: of deeds could have done them better.
20: The credit belongs to the team member who is actually in the arena,
19: whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood,
7: who
22: strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again.
19: Because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fail, at least fail while daring greatly, so that their places shall never be
20: with those cold and timid souls who
22: neither know victory nor defeat.
9: I had the pleasure of presenting Jesse Fernandez with this award in twenty sixteen. So I'm also going to accept the pleasure and honor of uh, presenting our 2022 recipient with this. So if you give me just a moment, thank you. Now we would have handed this out at our employee appreciation event last week, but this individual was actually taking a well-deserved vacation. Uh, And I didn't, we didn't tell everybody who it was because I didn't trust anybody to keep the secret. So uh, a 2022 Jesse Fernandez Frontline Leadership Award uh, goes to Roman Jones, police officer. going to ask uh, Romans Department if you guys wouldn't mind coming down. His family, especially. So, we're about to meet the reason he was on vacation, actually. So, you want to introduce your family to everybody?
5: That's why I wasn't here Fridays because my son graduated college on Friday. This is my son, Tyler, and my wife, Sharon, and my mother-in-law, Mary. I've loved Jesse Fernandez. He's awesome. So, obviously, I like, I love this. This is awesome. I I don't know what to say. (laughs) I'm surprised. (laughs) Okay, here you go. Somebody else needs to talk. No, sir, this is all you. (laughs) This is all you, sir. Now, now I don't have anything to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah.
23: You know, I would have to say that uh, whenever the city manager called me and said that you're going to be receiving this award, and, of course, we need to get your family here uh, to make sure that, uh, that, that they saw you receive this award, there's absolutely no one well-deserved this award than you, Roman. I mean, you, you make a difference for us each and every day. You solve problems that we don't even know that we have, and, and that's true. I mean, uh, the, the man drives, or drives, he rides his bike 20 miles a day in our park system, and he is coming across problems that he is fixing while he's there and, and solving those issues on a daily basis that then stops calls to our 911 center because he has already rectified those, those problems. And it's absolutely anything that you can think of from providing housing for someone to giving someone a helping hand to being able to, uh, to help an elderly person or if it's just catching a ball for a kid that has no one to throw it to. This is the guy that's doing that on a daily basis and making us all look good. And so for that, Roman, I thank you very much for everything that you do.
9: several months we noticed Roman getting more and more jolly and it's because he was fixing to stop paying for college. I just figured that out. (laughs) As you can tell he's not one that even accepts you know gratitude when it's given to him. One of my favorite sayings, and some of you have heard this a lot, but you're going to hear it again because I have a microphone, is uh, one of my favorite sayings is by Fred DeWitt uh, Van Amberg, and he says, gratitude is a currency we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy. So tonight we'll try to empty the bank. So we have another presentation coming up, Shelley, if you wouldn't mind, coming up. Shelly Lanners, our deputy city manager, after 22 years of service to the city, is taking a well-deserved retirement. So if we can give her a round of applause. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, it's funny. I said this at the tree lighting, and I'll say it again. Uh, While I will argue any day that the services we get from police streets, fire, water, sewer, all of those things are noteworthy, because of the way we, we deliver those. The things that make a community a community are some of the things like its park system, our special events, the stuff that we do over and above the basic services that we're required to provide. And Shelley Lanners has had a part in providing support to all of those things for the last couple of decades. So when you notice that Mansfield is a special place to be, it's a special hometown, we have Shelley to thank for a lot of that. So, Shelly, would you mind saying a few words? Seriously? Just a few.
20: Really? Because now I have the microphone yeah. and an audience. So, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I um, I just said this, and we had a little bit of cake and punch over there, which is all I wanted. I just want everybody to know. I just cake and punch, and I'm good. But apparently there's been some finagling going on. My whole family showed up. So... Um, I want to talk about what an absolute pleasure it is to serve this community. What an absolute pleasure it is. Now, I will tell you, there's moments that are not pleasurable. There are. But it's it's the reason that you come back. It's those moments where you think, goodness, why am I doing this? And then you remember. And you remember we build great facilities and we have a great community and we have great people who live here. And on the moments when I would think, gosh, what, why, why in the world, why, why does anybody ever want to be a public servant? And then I remember it's because you serve the public. It's because I've been able to be a part of making decisions and building a great community and having wonderful people live here and wonderful people move here and wonderful people visit here. And it's because of the facilities and the programs and the services that are absolutely 100% supported by the people who are sitting right here. We could not do it without city council. We could not do it. I've got a couple of park board members out there. We could not do it without our boards and commissions. You're right. The staff, every day, we put one foot in front of the other, and we try to solve all the problems. But if you didn't have the support of the people who make the decisions, who understand why we need to fund certain projects, programs, and services, what we have here in Mansfield wouldn't be Mansfield. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am <clears throat> you're a titty baby. You, <laughs> you, you cry first. That was the deal. You cry first. How wonderful it is to have been a part of it. For 22 years, um, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful career here. I, I certainly appreciate Kathy Anderson giving me an opportunity to come work here. I appreciate all the opportunities I've been given and I want you to know how much it has meant to me to serve this community and it really has. It has been an absolute it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you. I didn't know I was going to make a speech, so I hope that was a good one. <laughs>
9: So we have a, a message for you. We've got a cameo for you, family put together. That's yeah. yep. You'd never know he had a golden voice, so... <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember
21: now. Hi, Shelley. This is Eric Nadell. Yes, the Texas Rangers announcer. I heard that you are retiring after 34 years as uh, the world's greatest public servant. I also hear from your friends and relatives that you're the best colleague, partner, sister, aunt, and friend anyone could have. And I want to thank you for being a long-time season ticket holder. I know it's tough to be a Ranger fan sometimes. And uh, I heard you developed your uh, love of baseball with your uh, papa. I love hearing stories like that. We always wonder who it is who's listening. And I understand that you enjoyed the Nolan Ryan-Robin Ventura incident. I like to call it an incident. It wasn't much of a fight, of course. So anyway, please accept my sincerest congratulations on your retirement. You obviously have a wonderful family. Your sister, Tila, is amazing. And um, I probably won't be that far behind you in retirement. Have fun.
9: And you know it was a paid endorsement because he said something positive about Tila. Just saying.
10: <laughs>
9: For any of you that know Shelly's sister Tila, that was that was a comment. That was a, that was a compliment. I promise you. But uh, so one other thing, we uh, got together and Shelly and I both. Uh, he's going to take that t- that t- spotlight. Okay. So Shelly and I are both tremendous Ted Lasso fans. Anybody else a Ted Lasso fan? Yes, that's right. So we had we got a. a a tradition here, we do challenge coins. So we had, had a challenge coin made specifically for you. On one side, it's got the dart board with two triple 20s and a bullseye. If you don't watch Ted Lasso, that doesn't mean anything to you, but everyone else knows exactly. And on the other side, it's got Shelly's face. Oh, <laughs> 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 yep, and it says, be a Shelly Lanners instead of be a goldfish. So, Shelly, that's for you. Thank you. And then... Yeah, so there's one more one more thing we wanted to present Shelley with, uh, in addition to the flowers you we'll get here in a second, is an honor that's not reserved for very many people. So if we could, if you could. Friends and colleagues, everyone that's worked with you, the park board, city council, everybody voted unanimously to. Oh my gosh.
20: Listen, great, great, you're a titty baby. Great things happen. Yeah, great things happen in that building right there. It's your uh, community engagement, all the ways we engage with people, it's your community services with your parks, all your trails. I know library comes over every once in a while has to meet. Wonderful things happen in that building. And so to know that it has my name on it, I hope wonderful things still happen. <laughs> you know, it, I, I always say, you know, that took a Shelly turn. <laughs> you know, we were going good and then it took a Shelly turn. And so I know wonderful, wonderful things will happen in that building. That was so unexpected. So, gosh, I, you know. I hope the staff that works out there uh, understands how much I appreciate that. And I hope, that, I hope everyone understands that I totally was not expecting that. So, Eric Nadell would have been enough, I'm just telling you. It was, it was great. So, thank y'all very much. Thank y'all.
9: Thank. Would you guys come up and get a picture with her up here? Vicky? Would her family come up here and get a picture with her, please? Council, would you mind coming down and taking a photo? It's cake and punch. If you can't tell already, she's a lot of fun to work with. Thank you, everybody, for sharing in this with us. We appreciate that.
0: That's a good way to start off the night. We're going to, uh, before we get into our citizens' comments, Council, I'm going to um, move up item 16, a public hearing. Those are items 22 4885, uh, 22 4729, and so the staff will also know, 22 5105. We're just going to do all of them uh, at the one time. In regard to uh, this item, we're going to cover all of them in succession. So item uh, 22-4885, ordinance, public hearing, and first and final reading of an ordinance to amend chapter 155 zoning to revise the definition of an accessory dwelling in section 155.012 to repeal section 155.082. Uh, East E7 in its entirety, and to revise regulations related to accessory dwellings in section 155.099B35. The presenter uh, is to be, was to be Jason um, Alexander, and uh, we have, again, as I mentioned, it's a public hearing uh, item, and we do have, I do have one, two, three, four cards, so. what we'll do, Mr. Alexander, is, as I have just done, I will read it, and um, there are some recommendations that'll come from council, uh, after which, still, because it is on the agenda, I will call for the public hearing. All right. All right, so I just read that. Um, Mr. Lewis?
4: Thank you, Mayor, and um, thank you for pulling this up so that we can, any public comments, don't have to wait an hour or so till we get down. but. Um, this uh, as council knows this was a council initiated um, change to our zoning ordinance it has come before council gone to PNZ sent back to PNZ had a couple of rounds through the housing growth subcommittee um, and ultimately has made its way back to council through the process Um, since that time over the last six to eight months or so we have now started our future land-use planning Um, and so I would uh, be making a motion this evening to table this indefinitely until such time as this could be go through a series of public hearings public engagement processes and allow the community to uh, hear what the intent behind the changes are any implications that would be associated with that and then make sure that we can get, make good recommendations that have a community uh, process involved around it before we make any adoptions
7: Second.
0: All right. All right, Chief, we're not uh, receiving the motion yet, but okay. we will. I want to go ahead and uh, open the uh, public hearing at a given time. Uh, we all in agreement. Um, colleagues? Good. All right. I will open the public hearing at uh, 7.28 uh, p.m. And I do have a few cards here, so uh, I'm going to ask those individuals if you would um, come forward and you can... Addressed Council. So, first, Mr. Frank Butcher, please come state your name and your address. And you have five minutes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir.
24: As you said, my name is Frank Butcher. I've uh, moved to Mansfield about two and a half years ago. And it's, I gotta say, it's a wonderful community. And I've enjoyed every minute of being here. I just found out about this uh, proposed ordinance uh, today, really. So I may be shooting from the hip and if I don't have all my facts correct, I'm sorry. But um, it just, I don't understand how anybody could think adding multiple residential small buildings in existing city lots could be a good idea. I I think about my situation, I live in the Twin Creeks subdivision, and I think about, well, what if my neighbor added two 1,000-foot buildings to his lot? What is that going to do to my property values? And I can't, (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's not going to increase my property values. So I think that's a serious issue that the council needs to consider is what, that does to the community and property values in that community. Uh, I also thought about parking. Uh, Sometimes we've got enough cars parking on the streets as it is and you start adding additional buildings and additional residents, that's just going to make it a bigger problem. And I also remember um, when I was, I came from Baytown. and I was at a church breakfast and the speaker was the mayor of Baytown. And he made a comment that kind of surprised me. Uh, Basically that the future of a community is determined by the kinds of residents it attracts. And uh, he was concerned about that situation in Baytown. And um, his point was that the people that you want to have attracted to your community, are going to be those people who are gonna contribute to the community well-being. They may be uh, little league coaches. Uh, They may be volunteers or charities. They may even be city councilmen. But uh, those people are the kind of people you want to attract. And uh, people that are gonna be attracted to these really small 1,000 square foot buildings, I don't, they may be good people. I don't suggest that they aren't good people, but I don't think they would be the kind of people that you want to attract to this community that would contribute to its development, to its just being a better place to live. Um, Those are the main things that I've thought about. I don't know how these rules that you're establishing would affect HOA rules. I was, a, I was on the board of the Twin Creeks HOA for a short period of time until I got really sick and had to resign. <coughs> but uh, I, I don't know how these regulations would affect HOA rules and, and that's something I would like to have clarified. Um, those are the main things that I thought of. As I said, only had a, one day to think about this. But I am really, on the surface, very opposed to the, the concept of adding multiple small dwellings on city lots. I can't see how that makes Mansfield a better place. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. All right, Mr. Don Lautner. I believe. Please state your name and your address. Mr. Lautner, you have five minutes.
1: Good evening, Mayor, uh, Council. My name's Don Lautner. I live in uh, 18004 Fox Hollow Drive here in Mansfield. Uh, I, earlier, I sent the council uh, quite a few comments on concerns I have with this ordinance. Uh, since it's being tabled, uh, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. We'll hackle th- hash through that whenever this uh, hearing or whatever it is you're going to hold. Uh, we'll talk about it more there. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, Mr. Wayne Wilshire, please do the same. State your name and address, and you have five minutes.
15: Honorable Mayor, members of council, I'm Wayne Wilshire. I live at 1101 Pinehurst Court for the past 43 years. I'm here to pose this tonight because of the tax situation. I'm a dumb guy, and I listened to the P&Z when they discussed it, and there was a lot of discussion there that, that really caught my attention. One is that that you could take a single-family house with an extra door and rent out part of it as a accessory building. That's a taxpayer nightmare. Who's going to mount, monitor whether it's owner-occupied? Because if it's not owner-occupied, then it's fully taxable. And if you're somebody like me that's 65 and got the Reduce rate and want to build one, then you got the tax office has got to be notified because they have to separate it in two accounts. And so that, I'm looking at it from a tax point of view. It's something that cannot be managed, managed by the appraisal district with their current appraisers uh, they have because they don't have access to the inside of the houses if you're going to use the same house for the accessory building. So I'm opposed to it too. And also, it, I'm a dumb guy and I watch these meetings on home so I can holler at it because I get mad at some of the comments it's made. And if you go back and listen to what happened at the P and the Z, a staff member made the comment, "It's nothing new, it's been happening in California for
0: years. We're not California. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right, we do have uh, comments from uh, Mr. Uh, Tim Hogan, and I'll read those into these into the uh, record. I live at 1113 Danbury Drive in Mansfield. I'm opposed to Agenda Item 22-4885, as I believe that it will result in overcrowded streets, poorly maintained slums in our city. We already have similar problems in our neighborhood, uh, where the city has not stopped the use of a home being rented uh, to multiple families, uh, even though it is owned as a single family. Thank you, Mr. Tim Hogan. Let the record reflect that he is opposed that. All right, are there any more? There are none. All right, Uh, then I will close the public hearing at 736. All right, there are no other comments. I will call for a motion.
4: Make a motion to table.
0: Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Second.
4: I would like to make a brief (gasps) comment.
0: Okay, you go ahead. The second still stands. Go ahead. All right,
4: thank you. Just... I think the, the comments clearly address why we need the public education process that we go through. Um, many of the comments that were made um, are things that actually were addressed in housing subgrowth committee. Things that we've taken into consideration all the way from how do you park the park them, how many units are actually allowed. Um, I think it was mentioned tonight two additional, and the proposed language is just one. Um, what it does to property values, it doesn't over have. We we went round and round about the HOAs and like does this supersede HOA authority it doesn't your HOA has control all of those type of things are things that were, we're very well thought of um, but we are going through a future land use plan and so making sure that how this rolls out across the city if it if it does and what what goals we're actually trying to accomplish here um, accessory dwelling units are already allowed in Mansfield today we have an accessory dwelling unit ordinance in place today the big difference uh, with that is that it is required at time of construction that that's really the, the major change there are obviously some other size changes and different things in the proposal but the, the main thing is is it has to be built as part of the construction and so if you have an existing home and your uh, retired parents want to move on you've got a half acre lot and you want to build an accessory dwelling unit in your backyard there are a lot of there's a lot of bureaucratic tape to go through in order to be able to build one um, there's if your college age kid moves home and can't afford rent in the city limits and you've got a, a available space in your backyard and would like to build a place for the, your college age kid to live within reason um, there's a lot of bureaucratic tape and so what we're trying to do is to make that process smoother so that uh, so that it is actually accessible um, so none of that is happening anytime in the immediate future there are obviously a lot of hoops that we need to jump through and make sure that we're having a lot of public engagement into what problems we're trying to solve and then of course take public feedback like we received tonight and make sure that we address that as best we can within an ordinance update that will come at some point in the future but that's not happening at any point right now we'll get through the future land use plan and and bring this alongside that
0: all right thank you any more
4: questions to Comments? clarify that is tabled indefinitely and staff can bring it back all once right. we get
8: to that point
0: all right Mr. Lehman, your second? Continue. All right. Stay up. Any we're, other questions? Go ahead, Mr. Braun. Quick, quick comment. Uh, sure.
8: my, my anticipation is that this will be after February or March. Uh, definitely be after a work session that we that have. That is correct. It, it will
4: so likely be closer be a to a year, right? We, we're awarding the land use contract this evening. Yeah. And so none of those policies will be updated for right. 10 to 12 months. Yeah.
0: And again, the key is the public input. And I'm also hoping that those who are present tonight, as well as those who are looking and listening, uh, we really want you to know that we do hear you. Your comments make a difference. So thank you all very much. It's the way it's supposed to work, and we appreciate it. All right. Uh, please cast your votes. All right. And that measure carries 6-0. Item 22-4729, Ordinance, Public Hearing, Continuation, First Final Reading. On an ordinance to amend uh, Section 155.072B of the Mansfield Code of Ordinance regarding definitions for an accessory unit and Section 155.072J5C of the Mansfield Code of Ordinances regarding the uh, habitual um, area of an accessory unit. Mr. Alexander, again, I believe that uh, the same stands with this one.
25: Yes, sir, Honorable Mayor.
0: All right, thank you very much, sir. All right, Council. again, I will open this up for public hearing, and then we'll prepare for the uh, motion. All right, I'll open the uh, public hearing at uh, 7.40 p.m. We have no cards. All right, I will close the public hearing at 7.40 PM and I will call for a motion.
4: Motion to table until the previous item comes back as
0: well. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Second. Second, Ms. Bounds. Questions, comments, statements, to my right, to my left. All right, hearing none, saying none, please cast your vote. That item carries 6-0. Item 22-5105, ordinance public hearing on an ordinance of the city Council of the City of Mansfield, Texas, designating a, a certain area as a tax abatement reinvestment zone for commercial industrial tax abatement within the City of Mansfield, Texas, uh, establishing the uh, boundaries thereof and other matters related thereto, providing a severability clause and providing for an immediate effective date. Mr. Moore. Good
11: evening, Mayor and Council. Thank you. Good evening, sir. This ordinance uh, would establish reinvestment zone number 46 for a commercial tax abatement. As part of a tax abatement process with a company from an incentive standpoint, the first step in that process is to create a reinvestment zone. There's criteria that are established in state law that says what what that entails in chapter 312. And this site uh, that's referenced for reinvestment zone number 46 is approximately 44 acre tract of land what we refer to as the Mushroom property, west of 287, north of the Tarrant County uh, or the Public, public Safety uh, Complex on Justice Lane. And this is contemplated for the Crystal Window and Door Systems company that is looking to relocate their regional headquarters and advanced manufacturing facility on the property. As part of this, the, the ordinance establishing reinvestment zone does not have anything to do with the actual tax abatement agreement? That would be a separate item on your next agenda. Any questions?
0: Left, are there any questions? Mr. Lewis? Yes, no, sir. All right, all right, Mr. Branch, Ms. Bounds. All right, we have none, sir. sir. All right, I will open the uh, public hearing at uh, 7.43 p.m. We have no cards. I will close the public hearing at 7.43 p.m. and I will call for a motion.
24: Move, Move to, to approve.
0: Second. Okay, Mr. Brosh, Ms. Short, second. All right, any questions? Hearing none, please cast a vote. Add item carry, 6-0. Thank you all very much. All right back on track item 10 citizens comments citizens are wishing to address the council on a uh, non-public hearing agenda item and items not on the agenda you may do so at this time and due to regulations of the uh, Texas Open Meetings Act uh, please do not expect a response from the council as we are not able to do so this will be your only opportunity to uh, speak unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. And after the close of the citizen comments portion of the meeting, only comments related to public hearings will be heard and all comments are limited to five minutes. In order to be recognized during citizen comments or during a public hearing, applicants included, uh, please complete a blue or yellow card located at the entrance of the chambers and present it to the Assistant City Secretary uh, seated to my right and your left. As a reminder, this will be your only opportunity to speak unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. The council uh, may not respond due to the regulations of the Texas Open Meetings Act. Ms. seizure do we have any cards, ma'am? All right, thank you very much. Well, then we will move to item 11, uh, which will be council announcements. Mr. Lehman. Uh,
7: not tonight, okay. ma'am, thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Ms. Short?
6: None for me, Mayor.
0: All right. Mr. Lewis? None for me. All right. Mr. Nora is absent. He is ill. Ms. Bounds? None for me, Mayor. Mr. Brosh? And none for me. All right. And none for me because it's going to be covered later on. I see flow out in the audience. So we're going to be talking about some good stuff here in a minute. All right. So we'll move to item number 12. That's going to be subcommittee reports, item 22 5099. These are minutes uh, approval of the November 22, 2022 housing market growth strategy subcommittee meeting minutes. uh, Let me just, for the audience's sake, uh, votes will be only by members of the subcommittee. It's Mr. Lewis, Ms. Short, and Ms. Bounds. Mr. Lewis is our chairman. Mr. Lewis.
4: Thank you, Mayor. Uh, As you know, at the last... Council meeting, uh, we tabled a project in the reserve with Stillwater Capital. This council directed the subcommittee to meet with Stillwater to review their SUP plans, yes. um, and so we gave them very clear direction as to what we would like to see before they bring that back. Um, that is not on our agenda this evening, so I assume we'll have it at a future council meeting what their SUP looks like. Okay. With that, I'd make a motion that we approve the minutes from that meeting.
0: All right. Mr. Lewis, is a motion. Uh, Second. From Second. The, thank you, Ms. Bounds. All right, questions, Council? Hear, all right, hearing none, you all please cast your vote. That item carries three zero. Thank you very much. We move now to our staff comments. Mr. Smolinski, do we have staff comments, sir?
9: We do, Mayor. We're going to bring Kristen Petrie back up. You guys met her recently yes. when she gave a presentation about a youth advisory council and Kristen is here to give us an update
0: all right
26: good evening mayor and council uh, just as Joe said I'm here to give you a little bit of an update uh, regarding the Mansfield Youth Council initiative that was proposed at the November meeting uh, just to recap what was discussed then we discussed the opportunities associated with creating such a youth council and we also gave a high-level overview of the opportunities Um, excuse me, the structures and logistics that would support authentic youth civic engagement, which is a principle that has been written about by the National League of Cities. Uh, One of those principles is actually that young people are prepared to take on meaningful roles in addressing relevant issues. To do that they have to be educated, they have to know the environment that they're working in, the organization that they're working with. Uh, So today I'd like to talk with you about some of the programs that we didn't necessarily have an opportunity to talk about that will be built in within the Youth Council. Uh, The first is an orientation program. If you reviewed the Youth Council proposal packet, you might have reviewed that the orientation was gonna be approximately a five hour long, single day event, Um, but after discussions with staff and with council members, we decided to make that orientation a little bit more robust and comprehensive. Uh, The orientation will now look like a four to five day long camp. Where the days are split up in half. The first half of the day would be a classroom style lecture, and then the second half of the day would be something more hands on, whether it be a tour or engaging with um, members of the staff that are out in the field. Something that's just a little bit more tangible, a little bit more boots on the ground. Um, we'll be covering the responsibilities and organization of two to three departments a day and discuss real-case studies relevant to those departments throughout the orientation program. This is to demonstrate the complexity of the various jobs within municipal government preparing these young people for the complex issues that they're going to have to be prepared to talk about and to give their opinions on throughout their term as serving on the Youth Council moving on from orientation we also have a section built into the youth council meetings where staff members will be able to present information and give a little bit more context about the relevant issues that they're bringing to the youth council to discuss Um, that's just very important because even though this orientation will be robust the issues and challenges that come across a city employees desk every day do require a little bit more nuance. Every situation is unique, and so just to be able to give the Youth Council the opportunity to see it from that perspective, we think is critical for them to be able to be active in the decision-making process regarding whatever is being discussed uh, with those topics. Finally, the annual campaign is something that we discussed a little bit about at the first presentation. Um, That learning opportunity really highlights learning through experience. We hope that Youth Council members We'll learn how to balance desired goals with available resources and budget. That is something that council members, management, executive city leaders have to do every day. So to be able to equip them with that skill by giving them a real life opportunity to do that, um, we think would be an invaluable experience. Something else I wanted to take the opportunity to do is just to give you some timeline reminders as to what this process is gonna look like. Um, We're hoping to present a resolution to be adopted by council in January. Ideally, recruitment would occur over the course of the spring semester while students are back in school. We'd invite members to uh, be a part of the organization in May following an interview process. And then finally, we would hold orientation in August for them to be able to kick off their meetings next school year. So particularly getting to be a part of the future land use plan discussions uh, in any ways that they can offer insights and guidance on that topic as well. Uh, I do have an opportunity for questions, if you guys have any regarding either the education opportunities, the timeline, or any other topics related to the
0: Youth Council. All right, council members, go ahead, Ms. Short.
6: I'm just curious, how are you getting the message out to potential students that may want to join the council?
26: That is a great question. So we're still working on a recruitment strategy, but components of that strategy will be to utilize the social media As a big component of that so the fact that Mansfield just launched their Instagram page again seeing if we can do any kind of partnerships with them also partnering with MISD staff and leaders particularly council or councilor excuse me so getting them the application packets in their hands that they can pass out to students posting flyers in schools um, doing any kind of Announcements at PTA meetings are just some of the ideas that we've come up with so far. And we'll have a formalized recruitment plan prior to launching that recruitment strategy in February.
6: Okay, thank you.
0: Am I right? Kristen, in regard to the interviews, who's going to be conducting those?
26: that's a great question so this first year it will absolutely be made up of city staff members particularly NYC support team members which will be identified during the spring staff members who are particularly interested in being liaisons for this group we want them to have the opportunity to meet the candidates that they would most likely be working with in the future this interview panel might consist of one or two youth council members who are seniors who are graduating so they wouldn't necessarily get to work with any of the candidates that they're interviewing but they would have had all this experience on the youth council know the responsibilities know what it's like juggling being a student and being on the youth council and really the reason we want to do that is to give interviewees the opportunity to ask Members who have already served on the youth council in some capacity, what their experience was like. So we want that to be a that interview to be a two way conversation.
0: Okay, would there be an opportunity for a member of council or somebody to be on that as well?
26: If that is something that council would be interested in, absolutely.
0: All right, sounds good. All right, thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you. Awesome job. Good job. All right. TML Region 8 meeting update, Mrs. Molinsky.
9: Thank you, Mayor. Just wanted to let the city council uh, and the public know that the city of Mansfield will be hosting the Texas Municipal League Region 8 group here in Mansfield on February 9th. Uh, for those of you that don't know anything about Texas Municipal League, its uh, sole purpose is to empower Texas cities to serve their citizens uh, better. And one of the reasons it was created is many smaller cities don't have the resources, be it time or staff, uh, to handle some of the tough issues that cities face uh, every day. Uh, One of the things we've been using the most recently for is legislative issues, uh, tracking what's going on in the legislature. There were what over six thousand bills or something like like that filed the last time, and we're expecting a windfall of bills again this time. Uh, So we all get together; we rely on one another. uh, to maybe see things that but we didn't see ourselves. So, Texas uh, TML Region Eight is made up of the following counties, and it just this will give you an idea of just how big this group is. Region Eight alone is Cook County, Wise County, Denton, Palo Pinto, Parker, Tarrant, Erath, Hood, and Johnson counties. So it's a pretty good sized group. Miss Bounds, I think, was at the last several of these. And how many cities participated in the last one roughly? 30 cities brought their councils and city managers and staff out fire chiefs um, so yeah they go out and talk about issues we'll be hosting that group we're going to be able to share with them some of the things that the city council has has seen in recent years uh, that helps us make more informed decisions about land use and parcel productivity uh, that's the study from urban three uh, we have our consultant coming in to give them a presentation the same one that you got you guys have seen Uh, And this is part of the benefit of being a member of TML Region 8, is that we get to share these resources and and this information. So really excited about doing that, and we can't wait to.
0: All right, outstanding. All right, thank you so much. It's going to be an exciting time. I hear that uh, our councilwoman is really pulling out the stops to make this happen. So good job. All right, hometown holidays recap. What a great time we had.
27: good evening council and mayor yes what a great time we had yes Um, i am here with um, flo torres with misd and we just want to give a quick wrap up i'm going to give some fun facts about the event and then flo will say a few words Um, this was the first year that we partnered with misd at their location and we were able to really do some good tracking with our ticketing system that we use and with that, um, we were able to find out that we this year we sold tickets to more than forty-three or forty-three total zip codes, mm-hmm. and within those zip codes, it included Arizona, Georgia, and Florida, and Ab- and Abilene. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny that that was pointed out, but, you know.
0: Um, Matt Jones is asking, what's the problem with Abilene? He's from Abilene. Right. Great stake in Abilene. Go ahead.
27: Um, Total ticket sales for our um, expanded Carnival Rides this year were, um, the total is $48,615, which we're very proud of. And because of the affiliation with MISD this year and uh, Flo's hard work with Toys for Tots we um, received almost $500,000 that is half a million dollars in media coverage which is pretty impressive so now I'm gonna turn it over to Flo
0: all right Flo. so
28: <clears throat> I'm very excited with what just happened at the Center um, this past two weeks um it's been about two weeks ago um, in my experience working life entertainment this event is just a dream come true So the partnership that we're able to to form with the city, Teresa, Angie, Bernie, um, I want you to know, and I want you to rest assured, that I am committed to continue to do this event. And the reason being is because walking around, and I remember uh, with you, we walked around the area and just seeing the smiles and the families, um, just seeing them having fun. This place was made for this. I remember 2012 when I took over the center and looking at the plaza, um, you know there was no ideas and no uh, plans to do anything in that space, and you know all that concrete. And I knew I knew that it was made for something, and this is the perfect event for it. Um, you know, with our now having our own Toys for Top chapter mm-hmm. and being able to partner, you know, with you guys, uh, the ability for us to do greater things, you know. At my capacity at the center, I only can do so much. But with this partnership, I'm able to do you know, further. And so I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And thank you, you know, everybody here in this room, uh, for all your efforts and for your support. From the police department, the fire department, um, I can, the list goes on and on. Um, it was a happy time. We are right now in the distribution uh, time of the toys. And we're making a lot of people happy. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. It, it was outstanding, I think, to a person uh, who, who was there. I mean, just just great job. And uh, in regard to Toys for Tots, you know, I, I think that's important to know, too. I think that you're the, uh, the only civilian in yes, the sir. country, yes, am sir. I right, that, that partners with the Marines. And yes. Mansfield now has, uh, I think, $50,000 in regard to the toys and all that that comes yes, to our community. And yes. all of those toys and that money stays right here in yes. Mansfield,
28: yes. so that's they have. Big. They have our own. <laughs> they have, um, so, and I, I want you to know one thing. Um, the foundation sent a representative to uh, visit, because this is my first year as a coordinator. We have about 700 coordinators within uh, the foundation. They're all either retired Marines or active Marine. I am the only civilian that they have given this Position, and it's because of um, our consistent um, uh, donations through the years and the participation of this community uh, with Toys for Tots. And so, because of that, they were able to give in the chapter uh, and also um, put $50,000 in our account to service our community. But um, uh, the representative who's here, Tammy, she actually got little, um, on Facebook Live with the foundation members and was showing them the drone show and they could not believe. They no. do not, they do not have That's a stand. partnership. At any of the 700 different coordinators, no one has a partnership with a city doing this type of event That's right. for Toys for Tots. So right. you should feel proud of what we have accomplished together. Outstand.
0: The drone show is unlike anything I've seen yes,
28: in my life.
0: And, and you, you are a Marine, so uh, if anybody's ever worked with Flo out there, uh, you need to know. Man. If you're not a Marine, you're a closet Marine. I mean, so he, something happened. So uh, we, we appreciate you. Outstanding. Thank you all so much. And, and the teamwork. God bless. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Thank you all. Thank you. All right. Go ahead mayor uh, rachel
9: bagley is going to talk to us about another event we have this time it was downtown called it uh, dash into downtown so rachel take it away
29: dash to downtown happened last this past thursday and friday night in downtown uh, mansfield and it was a lot of fun thursday we had the holiday laser show that you see in the upper middle picture there And that was a lot of fun, even in the rain. And Friday, we had a drone show that was even bigger than the drone show we had at the hometown holidays. And that was amazing. I brought my whole family out for that. And it was awesome to see all the citizens there on the street going, oh my goodness, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, my family thought it was amazing. And this was a great event for us to partner with HMBA and the downtown businesses. Most of the, if not all, of the retailers and restaurants stayed open late both of those evenings and opened their doors, offered um, a lot of specials and promotions. And um, so that was really great partnership with them. And Following the drone show, I was able to do some shopping and dining, and every single store and restaurant was packed with people, and that was really the main goal. We really wanted to bring people downtown, go in the businesses, shop and dine, and so I think we were really successful in that. And so that, um, it was a successful uh, event for being the first time doing it, I would say. Any questions? Good, yeah.
0: Questions? No, again, Awesome. Awesome. So we owe you a hand clap. All right. Mayor, the
9: last one, we're going to have Chief Ross come down here and give us an update. We started doing something new this year. In fact, we started it new today. Today's the first time that it will have happened. Uh, Chief, why don't you tell them about what it is?
0: I'm going to clap for Chief, too. He's got a new
25: mustache. Yes, I was going to mention that last, okay. but thank you. Oh,
9: no, that's definitely an old one.
16: It's
25: gray.
9: <laughs> 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 hey, look. It's a color code.
25: So it, I feel it my duty to inform you all that Santa's in town. So I urge you to be on your best behavior You know, after this. Uh, I don't know what you're planning on doing, especially Shelley on her last council meeting. So, Anyway, uh, it's true. Uh, about a week ago, we got a call from the North Pole Logistics Division. Uh, They they were having some trouble with some mapping So we we told them who who knows who knows their district better than the fire department So come on down bring Santa. We'll drive him around through the neighborhoods and as of tonight That's what he's out doing. So Santa visited three neighborhoods this evening He was greeted with uh, about 60 to 70 kids and even a couple of food trucks So it's it's turning out to be something something pretty neat. So as you can see we're doing it five more times uh, so there's an opportunity for kids to get their letters to Santa out. Just come out and find us. It's it's posted. I think it'll be on the website as well. I would I would venture to say yes. Uh, any, anyway, so we're starting again tomorrow. We'll be in the area of Annette Perry, so down on South Main Street, and then the next and Wednesday we'll be around the area of Mary Jo Shepherd, and so on.
9: Any questions, Council? What exactly are you doing with Santa, though? What, what's oh, going on?
25: Okay, well, so we're taking Santa. <laughs> Uh, He's he's riding in the fire truck because uh, I guess guess the North Pole Logistics Division doesn't use Waze or Google Maps so (laughs) we're we're updating their navigational components in in the sleigh so he's having to do some boots on the ground work Uh, so we're we're making sure that he he, he does that and as an added bonus uh, he's able to get out there to say say hello to the kids and take their letters in person so that's what we're doing. You guys are driving them around the neighborhoods Driving yeah, through the neighborhoods, if, you school. know. If so, the kids out there paying attention to the council meeting tonight uh, on, <laughs> on the website. Be sure, be sure to wave at us. We'll stop and give
0: you some candy canes. Don't that. mention the supply chain issues. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Mr. Lewis.
4: I was going to ask. So, if I'm if I live near Annette Perry, is it all of the streets in that? general area or is it the main streets if you just want to walk out in your front yard how to, can they see it or do is your best bet to just go santa, to a net area santa
25: here? did not give us much notice uh, council member lewis so this year we are we're just driving in that main street corridor through the neighborhoods in the area we don't have a specified route uh, but we will you will see some flashy lights maybe hear a siren or two so if you hear that come outside
4: all right perfect thank you
25: all
0: right chief layman
7: I'd just like to comment. If there are any children out there watching this, I bet they don't watch long. <laughs>
25: <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Council. And Mayor, thank you. you for
0: the commentary on the mustache. Bless you, Chief. We owe you. Yay. All right. Clap for the Chief. Clap for the Chief. All right. Thank you very much. Item 14. Um, is there any action to take uh, that is pursuant to executive session?
6: Yes, Mayor. sir, Mayor sorry right.
0: <laughs> okay ladies first go ahead
6: yes um, mayor pursuant to executive session I'd like to make a motion to authorize the term sheet for EDC project 2218
0: May I receive a second second thank you sir all right question hearing none please cast your votes Then item carries six zero
4: Mr. Lewis. I'd like to make a motion that we authorize the city manager to execute the term sheet uh, for economic development project 22 two4 two or 2204 uh, as discussed in executive session. All
0: right. There's a second out there. Second. Thank you, Ms. Bounds. Questions? Hearing none, please cast a vote. That item carries six zero, thank you all very much. We move now to item 15, which is our consent agenda. And all matters listed under the consent agenda, they have been previously discussed, require little or no deliberation or are considered to be routine by the council. If discussion is desired, then an item will be removed from the consent agenda and considered separately. Otherwise, approval of the consent agenda authorizes the city manager to implement each item in accordance with staff's recommendation. Council, are there any items that you would like to remove at this time?
6: Yes, Mayor. I'd like to remove 22 5079.
0: Yes, ma'am. Is there another? 22 uh,
4: 5096. All right. Any others?
7: Mayor, I don't, I don't want to remove it. I have a legal question on the minute items.
0: All righty. Thank you very much. Chief, you know what? Go ahead and ask your question. Yeah,
7: on item 22, uh, 5097, and 5098, it's approval of minutes. I was not in attendance at those meetings. Do I abstain?
18: That's your decision.
7: Okay. Thank you. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you. May I receive a motion on the items that were not removed from the agenda? Move to approve. Thank you, Ms. Shore. Second. Second. Oh, it was a tie. Give it to Miss Bounds. Oh, sure will. She'll get me later. All right. Good question. Hearing none. Please cast your vote. Those items carry six zero. All right. Item 22-5079, ordinance. Uh, ordinance authorizing the issuance and sale of City of Mansfield, Texas combination tax and revenue certificates of obligation series 2023 in an Aggregate principal amount not to exceed $5,150,000, levying a tax uh, in payment thereof, prescribing the form of said certificates, authorizing the execution and delivery of a, a bond purchase agreement, a paying agent, registrar agreement, and a bond council engagement letter, approving the official statement and enacting other provisions related thereto. Mr. Lestina.
18: Good evening, Mayor and Council. While well, this is not as exciting as the uh, Santa driving around on a fire truck, uh, what we have before you tonight uh, is an ordinance authorizing uh, the sale of uh, bonds, as you indicated, on uh, in an amount not to exceed five million one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. With us tonight, we have uh, Nick Boulash from Hilltop Securities. Uh, we also have Rob Collins in the audience from Bracewell. Uh, he is our bond counsel, as you well know uh not to steal nick's thunder Uh, nick is here he'll describe uh the sale that happened earlier this morning uh very good news on that as well um as was uh discussed uh, a month ago when we had the sale when nick was here and we had the sale for uh the money that will be used for our um, pd headquarters that will be built soon and uh the capital improvement plans that are in the 23 budget along with the trail system and all that those funds will be deposited uh, later on this week Um, and so with that I'm going to turn it over to Nick he has a book that I will uh, hand out to you as well.
22: Good evening Mayor and Council my name is Nick Boulash from Hilltop Securities the city's financial advisor and as Troy had indicated Rob Collins from Bracewell is here as well and Rob Uh, prepared the bond ordinance for your consideration tonight Uh, we ended up pricing this morning um, and taking competitive bids at 11 a.m. four million twenty five thousand dollars of combination tax and revenue certificates of obligation Um, this nets five million dollars in spendable proceeds I will get to how that math works here in a in a quick second Uh, The ratings were, the city's ratings were affirmed, AA1 by Moody's, AA-plus by Fitch, and AAA by S&P. Again, just to put that into perspective, AAA S&P is the highest credit rating you can receive. AA1 by Moody's and AA-plus by Fitch is just one notch from the very top. So incredibly great credit ratings, very high-grade pieces of paper for investors to consider purchasing those credit ratings are behind tab one i'm not going to get into those they're the very similar credit ratings that you've seen from the last cell they complement the city's strong economy strong fiscal management healthy financial position and strong reserves if we could though turn behind tab two these are the bids that were received this morning uh, for the city's certificates of obligation the city received seven bids with the winning bidder being SWBC investment services, LLC at a 3.649%. Something to consider just a little market commentary. You may or may not have, have read, but the interest rate market has started to settle down a little bit over the past month. We've seen about a 50 basis point benefit in the municipal side. Of course, we have the Fed meeting on Wednesday and a big CPI report tomorrow. So, um, but to get seven bids uh, on a week like this is very, very good. Behind that page is the final debt service schedule. So the the motion read five million one hundred and fifty thousand was the not to exceed, and we ended up selling selling four million nine hundred and twenty five thousand. We put a little premium range in there for purchasers and still investors want premium bonds so they're willing to pay more than a hundred pennies on the dollar and so with this the city's um, sold four million nine hundred and twenty five thousand plus the purchaser will also provide a hundred and eighty eight thousand six hundred ninety five dollars of cash premium so they're paying over a hundred pennies of on the dollar for your bonds and um, when you factor those rates and that cash premium you get the The true interest cost or the average interest rate of three point six four percent shown at the bottom very very uh, happy with the way the results of the cell were Um, the first payment is not until fiscal 2024 so it'll be your next budget Um, behind tab three is just the preliminary official statement in your agenda uh, motion it's approving a official statement so we included that preliminary official statement in here Uh, it includes any and all information that an investor would want to see and read before making an investment decision in the city's bonds this is preliminary now that we have the final results and uh, you know assuming council approves the transaction we will update this official statement into a final official statement and provide it to the purchasers of the bonds with that I can answer any questions that you may have and congratulations on the great results and uh, I would recommend approval.
0: Great job. All right, to my left, do I have any questions, Mr. Lewis? Nick,
4: just want to say good work, congratulations, and thanks for your help. Um, I do have a question for Mr. Lucina. Just in, for any public that's watching along and sees debt issuance, especially right after debt issuance for the police station a month <laughs> ago, mm-hmm. um, my understanding is this debt issuance was for um, improvements that were part of the incentive agreement with. The south point development is that correct? yes sir so that development had infrastructure grants or things that were negotiated when we were coming out of the housing recession back a decade ago yes and the the bill for that has come due and the most fiscally responsible path for the city was debt issuance here correct instead of writing a five million dollar check or whatever it is correct out of reserves
18: right and and so what we're doing um and issuing the debt for this is we'll use the increment that's been generated from the South Point development to help fund
4: this debt. Basically the INS portion of the rate that's coming out of South Point is enough taxable value to pay the debt service payment on this debt coming out versus taking in a five million dollar cash hit to the general fund today.
18: Yes sir Um, that is correct.
4: Okay and then um, we also have our debt curve is Falling off pretty heavily this year which is why we were able to fund things like the police station a month ago and we've got the other stuff because the debts that were issued 20 years ago for buildings like this one are now starting to fall off right yes
18: sir. which is also why the Geo debt if you'll recall a month ago uh, that was issued that we told taxpayers in May we may have to issue may have to increase your tax rate three cents or whatever it was we didn't increase tax rate we actually lowered the tax rate a penny and increased the uh, homestead exemption
4: yeah. I know it's a bunch of financial you know maneuvering but to the general public that watches on they see debt issuance and then debt issuance and then they're trying to compare that with tax bills and just understand yes, that this isn't an increase in taxes this is no sir. O- fulfilling obligations that were made a decade ago and that it doesn't have a direct impact on taxes in this yes. case
18: there's no impact on citizens taxes thanks
0: all right, anyone else? All right, thank you. I'm call for the motion then. Move to approve. Thank you, Ms. Short. Second. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Questions? Hearing none, please cast a vote. That item carries 60. We move to uh, item 22-5096. That is a resolution authorizing funding in an amount not to exceed $325,000 and approval of uh, contracts, including design services uh, with Park Hill to prepare Cannon Drive South for public bidding and construction. TURS number one.
30: Good evening, Mayor Council. Uh, tonight we have a resolution, like you said, approving the authorization of funding uh, for the design um, of Cannon Drive South it was on the as stated there is on the 2022 roadway capital improvement plan the award is for the design with Park Hill it was funded by the Tursd number one board of directors earlier today and uh, that stated there is the opinion of probable construction cost of three million one hundred sixty five thousand three hundred fifty dollars and seventy six cents that would be anticipated to Go to construction this next year in 2023. So I'll be happy to answer any questions you have.
0: All right, anyone on my right have any questions for Ms. Koff? On my left, Mr. Lewis.
4: Thank you, Mayor. At what point in this process would Council weigh in on (coughs) or give direction on the design guidelines for this roadway improvement? Uh, that can be done at any
30: time during the design process once we contract with the design consultant we have a kickoff meeting where we uh, establish those design parameters Uh, this is shown it's on the thoroughfare plan as a collector roadway a 37 or 39 foot with a 70 foot of of right-of-way it's anticipated to it's on the 2014 bicycle master plan Uh, so it's anticipated that we would uh, stripe it with bike lanes and in the two lanes but it um that's always up for a discussion as far as the design criteria so that would really just be worked on with the consultant and staff and so we would entertain any input during that process
4: okay i I would like to make a recommendation i don't think it has any impact on a motion or approval tonight but that we do have the ability to weigh in on what we would like this is entering into the reserve coming out of Mm -hmm. other portions and this is not the same cannon drive that is on the north side of of broad street Um, as it's moving in it's much more heavily going through residential areas um, walking into a much more urban feel moving along where there will be corporate campuses um, and kind of transitioning over toward the Matlock side where the rest of the reserve is developing um, and so having input on things like design speed um, I think Canon is designed currently at a 45 or a 40 mile an hour design um, we certainly I don't think any of us want 40 mile an hour cars going through this section of Canon through the reserve in a residential area and so whatever impacts that would have on being able to design a roadway that Accommodate speeds that are more in the twenty-five and thirty mile an hour range than the forty mile an hour range, and also accommodating sidewalks, street line trees, all of it, uh, protected bicycle lanes, all of those things that, that we all would like to see within a walkable urban neighborhood. Just making sure that we're putting that into the design features up front. So I don't know when that time comes, and I'll I'll leave that to Mr. Smolinski or, or your team, but um, I I think it's important. Uh, that we have that input today before just engineering staff works with the design company and y'all come to us with approval for a 37 foot wide roadway with a bike lane painted in and it doesn't it's designed to a 40 mile an hour speed because at that point it's way too late for us to try to weigh in and and change the design. Sure I didn't uh, comment but certainly we would have the
30: anticipated uh, sidewalks constructed now with the development that exists and this corridor is set up for street trees the current development uh, the rehab center there just to the east of Miller they have two rows of trees and so we will be carrying that uh, that, con- that um, configuration up through up to that north end so that will be a that that will be the configuration so you're correct Bike bike lane striping that any any of that friction we create uh, would go to that point but certainly as we get to the conceptual we usually have a conceptual phase where we do basically 30% plans and we put that conceptual design together so we can certainly have a discussion about um, when we get to that phase about making sure we have consensus on that roadway section
4: okay thank you I would, I would appreciate letting council have consensus among the design <coughs> or preliminary design before it goes too far in the process to where we're trying to award a contract to go build a road that was designed at a speed that, uh, frankly, I, I don't think anybody that lives along Cannon today or goes on Cannon Drive would appreciate that the road's designed for 40-mile-an-hour traffic through there. Um, and we can worry about that at a future date and trying to modify that. But as we extend it, making sure that the speeds are appropriate for residential neighborhood, I think, is important. Thank you.
8: Mr. Bros. Thank you. Mr. Bros. And for uh, the council that members that were not able to, uh, they're not part of TERS 1, we did, uh, the TERS 1 committee did go through this today. And uh, we did approve uh, and offer a recommendation uh, to go forward tonight uh, with this, the initial uh, uh, planning. Uh, and, and we were advised that, uh, you know, basically as a three lane it could be used as as two bicycle lanes along with two lane could be used as a uh, you could have a median Uh, and uh, I think uh, as you've mentioned Mr. Lewis the sky's sort of the limit as to what we can do with this particular uh, area of the parkway Uh, the width as specified right now would be very similar to what's what is south, the broad right at the moment, that goes to the back of Kroger, which is basically a three-lane.
0: All right. Thank you. Any others? Any follow-up? Good. All right. I am ready to receive a motion. Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Brosh. I'll second. All right. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Questions? Hearing none, please cast your votes. All right, that item carries six zero. 0 Council, we move to uh, item number 17. The uh, public hearing, first reading, item 22-5042. Uh, public hearing and continued first reading of an ordinance approving a, a zoning change from C2, community business district to uh, PD, a planned development district with uh, limited uh, light industrial uses on approximately 9.94 acres out of the uh, William Lynn survey, abstract number 984, Tarrant County, uh, Texas, located at 2351, 2361, 2371, 2381, and 2391
25: North U.S. 287, City of Mansfield. And Mr. Jason Alexander. Thank you, Honorable Mayor. Yes, sir. Again, this is a request to rezone property from the C2 Community Business District to the PD Plant Development District with limited I-1 light industrial uses. This is a city-initiated rezoning. At this time, Honorable Mayor, City Council, staff requests that this application to rezone
0: this property be withdrawn. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Alexander. Council, are there any comments regarding this? To my left, to my right. All right. I'll open the uh, public hearing still, if you would, at uh, 8.26 uh, p.m. We have no cards. Miss season, no cards. Okay, we'll close it at 8.26 p.m. I will call for a motion.
4: Is there a need for a motion, or is it just no action?
0: Okay.
18: I think it could be no action.
0: All right, happy day. No action.
18: Motion to adjourn.
0: Yeah, but you know, (laughs) we still have another meeting to go. (laughs) So for those who are in our audience, we are conducting two meetings at once tonight. So as Mr. Lewis has called for a motion to adjourn, and then someone is going to second it, there we go. All right, and I think that was, I th- thought I heard Miss Short, somebody else, okay. But they don't get to leave, and we don't either. So, all right, question, hearing none, cast your vote. All right, Mr. Lehman, come on, I know you want to go, there you go. I'm, I'm just excited too. All right, that motion carries 6-0. Council, do you need five minutes, or are you ready to press forward? Ah, uh, yes, we have to reset the video anyway, so we're gonna take five minutes off. Oh.